you lot. You're listening to Archhammer. Episode 178. On tonight's episode, the manlings go over the firestorm as Sigmar and all his compatriots do battle in the realm of Akshi with all those fire slayers and those other type of dwarves. And they're having a good time battling without me because I'm here doing this nonsense. Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you earth-shaking reviews, news from the Windy City, and Firestorm. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Officer K. I know you won't know this one, because there's no nope. way. No, it's the, nope. I am the new character from uh, the new Blade Runner. Because oh. I went to go see the new Blade Runner. Thanks, Sport. That's just his name. I know, but you can't even give me a chance here. No, I knew you weren't going to get it. But I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Wow. Okay, we'll talk about that in the toolbox, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, toolbox. Blade Runner. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Oh, you know what? Hey, really quick. Uh, let's let's thank the sponsors while we're yeah, while we're absolutely. here. Let's just let's just get rolling with this because I'm excited about Firestorm. Yeah, we should. So, as always, we need to take a minute to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, Chaos Orc Superstore, 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 Chaos Orc Superstore. Okay. And Six Squared Studios. For all your MDF needs. Excellent. They do nice movement trays. They do. Yeah. So They do. All right. So, uh, no, let's not forget to thank uh, our patrons, those people who help us out on Patreon, the less than 1%, the getting close to the 1%. 1%. Hey, you know what? That's enough to keep the lights on, keep the keep the hobby flowing, and keep things happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our associate producers, Shirley Tempel and Phil Elliott, as always. Um, and we have a new patron and a new associate producer, Matthew Pegram. I mm. hope I pronounced his last name right. Uh, if I mispronounced it, dude, email me with the proper pronunciation because I'm going to be saying it every show, and I'd rather not mangle it twice a month. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good safe assumption there. And don't forget our executive producer, Bradley Graham. Hmm. Bradley Graham. Have I met him? I do not know. I don't. The name sounds familiar. It does, but, but I'm not certain. But, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So these are the people who are up there. In fact, we're going to be probably, we're going to have to do probably sometime this month we have to do a producer's call, meeting yeah. and, and and get our get our i mean we have stuff lined up because with at the rate stuff's coming out but mm-hmm. next week we'll be just about caught up actually with at least unless they throw out a whole in the next two or three weeks they uh, announce even more new releases which mm-hmm. you know i'm certain something will come out but hope, at least we won't be behind yeah next episode will be shade spire in depth shade spire and um at that point we'll be <laughs> It'll be so nice to not be behind. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get Path to Glory in like what we were talking, but oh, that oh my seat. We sorry. Oh, I totally forgot about. There's so much. There is. But thank you guys for becoming one of the almost one percent who make all of this stuff possible. Um, also, don't forget. Uh, please feel free to send in some emails. 
Um, if you have questions or comments or concerns on the show, and also please don't forget that we have voicemail. Because of course we have voicemail. Of course we do. It's one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six. Most international callers can get through by dialing zero zero, and then one seven five seven G H show six. I love voicemail. I really yeah. do. So. You know, when people ask me, Alex, what's the number for Garage Hammer? And I just shoot them the number. It's like, whenever I read that, it's in Dave's announcer voice. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> hello. <laughs> it's kind of his thing. It's what he does. And I say it like 20 times fast, like I, like when they try to cram it in on mm-hmm. those late night commercials 50 times so you don't forget it. Yep. <sighs> All right. So, um. You know what, should we just, let, you know what, let's break. Let's break mm-hmm. and uh, get that done so we can come back and hit the uh, news in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah. All right. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Garage Hammer News Network. Do you have any idea what you just said in Nymphish? Uh, was it dirty? It was really not okay. Uh, well, this is family friendly, so we can't yeah. say that on the radio. <laughs> okay, <laughs> should I cuckoo? In? Should I throw no, a cuckoo in no, there? We'll deal with it. All right. I don't think there's a lot of people that speak Nymphish. <laughs> I barely speak English. That is true, uh, Lindsay. Speaks nymphish, but she never corrects me. No. So, because she loves me too much to tell me when I'm being stupid Mm -hmm. or too stupid. You did listen to Magic Tavern, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure we got that one because that was weird. (laughs) I'm sure everyone's going to be looking at me like, what in the heck are you talking about? Oh, no. I never miss Magic. Monday morning on the way to work, it's Magic Tavern Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Sincast from CinemaSins. Sure. So, uh, all right. So, news. um, It's actually... Kind of, okay, it's never at a lull with these guys anymore. But no. for AOS, we're at a slight, we're at a we're at a, a moment's pause here because mm-hmm. everybody's focused on Shadespire and and they're, they're normally they don't want us talking about it until pre order goes up, which doesn't happen till this coming Friday. Yeah, it's a late pre order, but they're like, "Nah, dude, go ahead." In fact, I was seeing stuff all over the place, and I emailed them and said, "Look." You guys sent this to me, but we're never allowed to talk about it till pre-order. 
Um, but I see a lot of people talking about it. So I, I has that they're like, dude, go for it. Mm-hmm. They're like, so apparently they are really hoping that this is a thing because they don't. They're not even. There's no point in waiting. No, and it will be a thing. We're definitely thinking this is going to be p- taken off pretty well and good. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like I said, I got a chance to get a couple of games in. You and I are going to be getting a game in uh, as soon as we're done recording here, and uh, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk more about that uh, next episode. Uh, like I said, it does go on pre-order this Friday. If you're listening to the show pretty much right when it comes out, um, we'll be doing a full full talking about it uh, next episode. I'm hoping to get a YouTube video out for it, just kind of unboxing it and talking about some of the game mechanics um, before then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know, and my YouTube videos are still kind of rough, so hopefully they'll be... Uh, I, I can put it together. Now, I do have a friend who lives uh, down the block, a friend of mine named Jason, and um, he has like a little YouTube thing that he does, and he's got like he's got some cameras and lights and stuff, and he's been wanting to get into like doing some of this stuff and uh so i asked him i just asked him for some help like just polishing up yeah my videos a bit and he's like oh dude he's like i watched your videos he goes i have so, so we were talking about it and he's like he wants to come in and, and he's going to show me how to use the because he suggested the editing software that i still haven't completely figured out yet which is why things get choppy sure but he's like oh no i'll show you how to put on those end parts where they got the little you know end of the video stuff and he's, he's like so hopefully if he gets this going and at least shows me how to work it better, mm-hmm. once I get better at it, I can start cranking it out a little more. It's one of those things where I know it's going to be kind of like a chore, so it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to actually get things rolling and going yeah. with it. Um, but if he can help me like, speed up the process and get a little better at it, we're going to get those get those happening. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, Total War Warhammer 2 has come out, I believe, for Steam. Yep. I liked Total War. I thought it was cool. I've never played it. I've never had a computer that could process that game. So, and I don't know. I have a hard time with video games and computer gaming in general. So it's a little rough for me. Oh, I'm I was terrible at it. Like I had, I'm like Harrison was explaining to me how to even play. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. How come I can't get my guy to do this? Harrison's like, you, uh, you are terrible. Mm-hmm. But he was he. I was watching him do some playthroughs, and I played a little bit. It was really fun. Uh, my only fear is that is a huge time sink once you sit down and start playing. Yeah, there's it's definitely a so productivity easy. loss. Yeah, it is so easy to sit down and say, I'm going to play this for a half hour, and then next thing you know, four hours have gone by. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is gorgeous. Um, yeah, the teasers and stuff that I've seen on line on Twitter or whatever, the quality is sharp. Yeah. It's just- yeah, we actually got a new computer right after we got it because I could barely play it. Like I had to go and upgrade everything I had, you know, make sure it had all the newest things, go through and do change all the settings just to get it to run. Um, and wow. then we got a new computer, and I got that. I'm like, oh, this is so good. Mm-hmm. But once again, video games are too much of a time sink. I I just I get nervous. It's like, nope, I'm just gonna go into the basement and paint because if I start playing this, I am never gonna get anything else done ever. Exactly. So, um, yes, we got that. We got Shadespire. And other than that, it's all Astra Militarum and Plague Marines. Yeah, and they had the Adeptus Mechanicus come out, too, with that, their uh, yep. codex now. So 
There's a lot of stuff. I did not grab the AdMech one. I meant to, and I just didn't. And UGG sold out of all of theirs because AdMech oh. apparently in the neighborhood. I mean, now they don't. It's not like they get fifty copies. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Um, I'm still working on building that community up there, but they usually get three or four of them, and mm-hmm. they were all gone by the time I came in because I didn't ask for them. To put one aside for me. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool models. It's just it's a weird army. It was one of yeah. the new ones that they came out with recently. Um. If you're looking for decent coverage on that, Canhammer did okay with it uh, on their most recent episode. So yeah, it was an interesting listen. So. Yeah, I mean, Admex cool, but it's it's, it's one of these. I'm not buying every book that comes out for 40k just yeah, because that's it's a like lot. yeah, it's like it's got a really interesting. Uh, I did pick up Astra Militarum yesterday mm-hmm. only because they go hand in hand with the Space Marines, and it does sure. look pretty cool. Um, and Boy, you know, I, I don't, you know, I had nothing to compare it with. I pretty much only ever played Space Marines, so I knew. It, then I started looking at the cost for their troops. I was like, "Oof!" Like you four points a guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, for conscripts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, is this? I like. Oh, and then you start looking at all their all the little pictures of their military. It's, it's like, oh, look, there's like fifty guys and twelve tanks. I'm like, dang. Yep. So it's a lot of a lot of. Uh, Artillery and hardware going in there, um, but it does look pretty cool. I just started flipping through it. I just I didn't know if there was anything I was ever going to use, but uh, just you know, there, I'm, there's me. I'm, I'm for the humans. Yeah, I mean, according to everything you read on the internet, ninety conscripts solves most problems. But <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, um, and I was just like I said, I was surprised at some of the feedback. People freaking out, saying how that book is like too good, too powerful. It could be, but realistically, the number of people that own Mordians or Valhallans or anything that isn't Akkadian or a Katachan is pretty slim. I mean, I owned a Mordian Iron Guard army at one point, and I'm kicking myself right now. Yeah. Well, I think what it is more than anything else, because I was looking at it, and I guess I don't know a ton. I am no expert. But it didn't look so much like it was super over. Powered, or it was like, oh, you're always going to lose. As so much as there's a huge variety of choices to play, and mm-hmm. none of them are bad. Like, like there might be some that are weaker than others, but yeah. none of them are really like it's. You don't want to look at like I know you look through the Space Marine book, and it's like, okay, Ultramarines do pretty good. They've got their Gillymen, and I guess is it either White Scars or Raven Guard or someone. They've got some pretty good stuff, but not every one of the Imperial, you know. Um, you know, groups in in the Space Marine book, you don't just look at that and be like, oh, I got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it right. in each list. Whereas you look at those, and dude, they all look pretty good in their own way. Yeah. Which I think is great. I love, and what excited me about it is that, because I don't necessarily want to paint a bunch of just guys in camouflage and a mm-hmm. bunch of tanks. Um, But it's cool, because I looked at that and said, wow, I could play eight different, uh, variations of the same army. I could play eight different guys and never play the same, play against the same list. It, it's like you could, it, there's not just that one, you don't look at that and be like, oh, here's the list. Mm-hmm. It, you could, depending on how you like to play, there's a list for you. And right. that's, that excites me. It really mm-hmm. does. Um, simply because, you know, when something comes out and there's that really good thing and then everybody's got that list with, the, and it's like you're just playing against that over and over and over and it's like ugh, okay that's that gets boring you know mm-hmm. um you know it, you can go to the easy the easy go to you know all the um you know the zinch uh with the sky fires is that what, yeah yeah 
you know, it seems like, oh, 20 sky first, 20 sky first, 21 sky first, 20, you know, whatever it is. Or, but I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, nobody in our neighborhood, nobody in my neighborhood plays Zinch, so I don't have to worry about it. But that's, you know, it's like, oh, we're playing Zinch? Yes, I have that list. Okay. That's, yeah, or change host or whatever. Right, where you're playing that, whereas this, I could literally face, you know, eight different lists and have eight really different lists mm-hmm. from eight different opponents. So I'm kind of excited about it. But that's just because they're they're hitting on all cylinders. I know I'm saying it every episode now, but they are. Yeah, the machine is going with GW right now. There's <laughs> nothing that they've kicked out that has been a mistake. Nope. Or would be considered meh. All I know is every, now with the Admech, I don't. They're a little newer, and I don't think they have the the as wide of a model range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for things you can choose. So I don't think that one grabbed me so much as oh, I have to play it. It's one of those that I think requires a lot of supplemental troops because uh-huh. you don't have a lot of models in that army. But again, ninety conscripts. So, <laughs> but um, so far, most of the things you know, when a new battle tome comes out or a new codex comes out, I look at it, I read it, and there's nothing that I've picked up and read so far that I said, eh, I don't know if I want to play that. Like mm-hmm. I looked and said, Oh, dude, I could totally play this. Like this would be so much fun to play. Yes. Chaos is awesome. Right now, the Chaos Space, you know, the Chaos book was awesome. Space Marine book's great. The Astro Militarum was interesting. Death Guard, ugh. Like, I've got that little bit sitting. You know I love Nurgle. I know. And I've got that little bit sitting from the starter box I got, and I just keep looking at it going, I don't have time for you, but boy, you would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so much good stuff. So, But I digress. That's just, um, that's pretty much everything, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, um, do we have any other like news type news, like local news? Like, we've got some. Do you have any Adepticon news or tournament news? Is there anything we want to talk about? Um, yeah, I might just, as well throw it in here because we're already yeah, done. Yeah, it's just a quick explanation. Um, we're going to have the draft rules up for the Adepticon Championship here in a couple of weeks. Uh, and there's been a couple of things that we've changed that are, I'm just going to go ahead and mention, all the rounds are two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. So there should be no excuses for getting games in. Um, we're not going to be allowing the Firestorm um, Allegiance editions. Okay. That we'll be talking about in this episode. Um, and then we're only doing five rounds. We've been toying with six for the last three months, trying Whoa. to figure out this schedule. And it's either we play from 8.30 to 9.30 on Saturday and do four games, which is suicide. No, no, you don't want to do that. Or we're getting out at close to 7 or 8 o'clock on Sunday, which is going to get a lot of people in trouble with the wives. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm fortunate again that this year spring break well, starts that Monday. Well, not everyone gets that magical am, time uh, you hey, get. This is, hey, I've been coming to Adepticon now for I know. seven years, and this is... Just, this is only the second time this has happened. And it's two years in a row, which is just weird. Mm-hmm. It's just the last two years. Um, so you're not allowing the Firestorm. Even with the new FAQs and the updates and stuff that were... Yeah. Where they have to keep it with the... You have to be Grand Alliances mm-hmm. only? Okay. Okay. Um, any particular reason? Or did was there a discussion? Or it's is that something I just got to keep... Balance concerns. Okay. Um, and then there's entirely too much benefit for order. I feel out of this versus mixing it up with chaos or death or destruction because as we'll talk about order gets a lot in this book 
You yes, have entirely do. too many options. Unless you're Seraphon. Unless you're Seraphon. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> just, I know. Like, and, they, and, and I get it. Fluff-wise, they don't live there. They live in the stars. They're not there. Yeah. That's why. But I just feel like, man, Seraphon players getting kicked in the ding-ding again. Yeah, it didn't benefit everyone equally, which is the biggest reason. If there was something for everybody in this book, then maybe. But I could. I mean, I could see that. I can totally see your reasoning. I totally can see your reasoning. So let me ask you a question. You know, they put out the the their little FAQ, their errata, and they said, "Okay, it, you can't do it with if unless your uh, allegiance is a pure Grand Alliance allegiance, mm-hmm. because that's what these are." And when you read the fluff, I mean, it's supposed to be that way. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these little cities. It's cool to hear them talking how the elves are running this city or you've got a lot of humans and Dwarden in this city along with the Stormcast. So it's supposed to be a mix, a mm-hmm. conglomeration, a hodgepodge of of stuff. Uh, so you can't get it if you're playing a pure Dwarden or a pure Stormcast or a pure Sylvaneth. Sure. You can't get that. I liked that. I liked that ruling a lot. I thought that was a pretty good way to go. Um, what do you think about their painting uh, clarification? I don't know. It's an adjustment for fantasy or AOS players because mm-hmm. they've done this for years with 40K. If you paint them like ultramarines, you're supposed to play them as ultramarines. It's the same principle, and I understand it stifles creativity, but... Well, I th- what I like... I, I don't know that... I mean, I think this... The, I think the new ruling opens up the creativity again. I think saying, if you're going to play these rules, you have to paint them this way which is the original one, mm-hmm. I think that does stifle it. To say, if you're going to play, you know, Baraknar, then you've got to paint them like Baraknar. Well, you know, that kind of, that that is kind of lame, I think. That, that does stifle it, you know, because what if you had a cool paint scheme that you wanted to try out or something? You know, I like the fact they said, okay, you can play it with any paint scheme as long as you're not playing it with a paint scheme of another established. Yeah. So, you know, you're you know you can paint up anything and say that you know anything that's not a, an established color and say this is an Ultramarines successor mm-hmm. chapter. We're playing as Ultramarines, but you can't take Ultramarines and say they're Blood Angels or Blood Angels and say they're yeah, Space yeah. Wolves. Yeah, no, that's exactly and, what I'm talking and about. That that I have no problem with. Mm-hmm. That I think is okay. Um, you can also take your Ultramarines if they're painted up like that and say, well, they're just generic Space Marines. You can, I think, because you can do that too. You don't have to take it no. if it's painted that way to play those rules. Um, I like it. I like that they just went with the ruling that they've sort of always done for 40K. If it's obviously this, it can't, you can't say it's just that just for the advantage. Right. But you don't have to paint them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was good. It worked for me. Yeah. Because um, I've tried to stay out of the whole, the whole, it has to be painted this way to get these rules argument because it gets volatile. Yeah, <laughs> people have very strong opinions, uh, and personally, now that they've well, now that they've ruled, I'll just say I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, I painted all of my guys up, or the, when I started painting up my uh, overlords, I painted them like on the cover because I often mm-hmm. paint it like it looks on the cover because yep. I, I like that. Um, and luckily, I liked the rules for that. <laughs> For that, for that, uh, that group, because I was like, "Oh, I'm about to get screwed if these rules stink." Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are better ones in the book, but I actually like theirs, and that was the one I would have chosen anyway. Right. 
uh, the magic protection just reminds you of playing my old dwarfs. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. Um, but I, I didn't like forcing people into a paint scheme because I like seeing people be creative. Yeah, it's one thing if you're using salamanders as ultramarines or just beating a dead horse. Yeah, but if you get your own thing and say, you know what, these are the colors I like. I want to paint it this way. I think it looks cool. Go to, for it. Yeah, then to lock you out of certain things just because of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad. I'm very glad that that came out and th- that they went that way with it. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So we got nothing else then. No other. I got nothing either. Mm-mm. All right. So let's head on to the toolbox. Brought to you by KSX Superstore. KSX Superstore. KSX Superstore. KSX Superstore. Okay, I'm done. Good. All right. So, um, how you've been doing some gaming? Yeah, actually, I just played a game last night, uh, testing out for Orktoberfest this weekend in glorious La Crosse, Wisconsin. Ah. Uh, I'm going to be trying out something new with the Stormcast, uh, Vanguard Wing. Not the 30-pack that Jack took, but um, kind of a smaller one, just trying it out. That's so. the one where you just kinda, you can teleport between the... You can teleport your libs between the... The pigeons, yeah. 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 Um, and those are prosecutors for those that prosecutors. don't understand my reference to pigeon. But uh, no, I tried it out last night and it worked really well. I'm definitely looking at picking up more liberators, which is not something I want to say because I'm really tired of painting Stormcast. But you just can't get enough at this point. I really want to take, and I've been writing lists. Uh, and, and then I saw Jacks. So I was like, that's kind of what I had been writing up. Was I've been trying to write up lists with. 30. I like the new rules. I want to try out the new rules. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I have like 30, but I got like several of the starter sets. So they've got like four primes in there. Yeah. But then I also, when the, when the, when they first started putting them out and they, you could get the one liberator on a, on a sprue, I've got like three of those left. Mm-hmm. So then I, and I also had a five pack that I bought like way early and never used. So I'm going to make a couple of those and maybe give them a couple of grand hammers just yep. to get an extra punch. That's the way to do it. Because right now everyone's hammer and shield, and I like hammer and shield. Don't get me wrong, hammer mm-hmm. and shield's awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, you get your what's it's a four up re-rolling ones, and mm-hmm. then you can get them down. You know, put them in a forest, give them a blessing, and suddenly you got two ups re-rolling ones, which I never really paid much attention to until someone pointed out to me, like you know, that's stupid. I was like, wait, how do you? you can, oh yeah, you can do yeah, that. You that's can do just, that. That's kind of crazy. Now, I uh, first time I saw this, the Vanguard Wing uh, was at Acon last year. Ian Botts played it on me, mm-hmm. and it was like you know he got the one model within six inches, and he just strung them all out right into combat with my stuff. Next thing I knew, I was surrounded by liberators, and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I think they were going after my retributors. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know they weren't doing super against them. But I only had like the five retributors. He's got a massive, and he's got like ten or fifteen of them, and it's just like, yeah, maybe they aren't going to live that long. But you're not going anywhere. No, it's like oh, and you could teleport them at any, no matter like they're in combat. If they're within, they could just poof be out of combat mm-hmm. and over there. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, I did that last night against John. <laughs> How did it I work? Pull, it worked. They were stuck on a unit of chariots. Uh, chaos chariots, and then I whooshed them to the other side of the board, playing scorched earth. And all he had over there was five marauder horsemen. And the next turn, 
they're going in and they'll clear off five marauder horsemen. Oh yeah. And then burn an objective marker. So it's good. I'm liking it. So good. And with the as long as you have a unit nearby it counts, so you can't contest two objectives. Right. But if the objectives are close enough, you can kind of string your guys out a little bit in the back mm-hmm. and contest the objective that just the one guy's near. Right. And then where you've got that big fighting clump by the other one, boom, fight that one clear and burn it. Like, there's just all sorts of shenanigans you can do with a big unit like that. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for yeah. it, really. I tried to build a list and put it up on that Battlescribe, um, but I don't think AOS has been updated because it won't let me take more than 20 Liberators. So. Mm. So I was just like, oh, that's not working. So I'm trying to find the next thing. I know I could do it on, on their site with their... With thing. a Zero War Scroll with, Builder, yeah. Yeah, the War Scroll Builder. I just hadn't uh, I hadn't done that. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. So, yeah, I'm very... I'm just very excited to try out some new lists. I mm-hmm. I think once we get past Wapaka... Yeah. Um... I'll, I mean, I've got a good, a decent two thousand point list. I'll have it ready for Paca. Hopefully, I'll have my Adepticon list ready because I'm just going to probably wind up taking my Stormcast anyway, unless mm-hmm. I get something new done. What I think my plan is is to get everything I need ready. I've only got to get like thirty models done by Paca. That's not too bad. And I'm just bringing a basic display board. I may just take my Realm of Battleboard and take a square and make sure it's painted up nice and just use it because I don't care. Yeah, I am not in the running for any painting awards. So a super awesome, you know, Domus's little, uh, you know, volcano, volcano board that's doing me no good. No, it's just a lot of work, you know. <laughs> so I just I need a board to transport, and I'm good. But after that, I'm thinking about building a Chocobo army because I want to. I I think I want to at least try it. Like just like Chocobos and uh, and and Drakoth riders. I want so that's to- the Paladors for those following along at home. Yeah, um, <laughs> I put you. one together from Blight War. Yeah, and I have another two that I don't want to put together. Are they are they just difficult to put together or they weren't fun to assemble? Okay, I didn't really care for it. I thought it was a bit of a chore, honestly. See that uh, that. That part of it doesn't really bother me, some of the work to put it together, because there's been a few things that I've been putting together that have been actual work, and I'm like, this isn't very fun. Um, building the dread, the dread hold, which everyone complained about. And to talk about a time-consuming... that Those things are rough. You uh, put together enough. I love them. Rough. I, I built one. I had a whole dread fort, mm-hmm. and I built the whole thing, and it took me several nights, and... I used a lot of zip kicker mm-hmm. because because no matter what I'm like this doesn't want to go together. Like, no, they don't. And it's and it's not that it didn't fit together. It fit together. And those things once you get them once you get in a groove they slot in and they lock in and you glue them. But you just got to sit and hold that glue till it bonds, especially those corner bits. And I'm just like nah. So I smelled nothing. I could. It was like in. It was. I was saturated with it. It was all I could smell for like four days. Yeah. But I can see if that's still, but it just seems like I, I don't know. It's it's that's there's so many things in the Stormcast list. There's so many ways to play, and I've just been playing a couple of characters: Libs, Judies, Judies, Pigeons, Retributors. 
Yeah. And some and and a small unit of uh, uh, protectors. Yeah. Because in a hammer strike. Yeah, and a hammer strike. And now that hammer strike went up, I'm like, okay, I was taking ten libs. Do I want to go down to five libs? Do I want to cut back even more? I mean, mm-hmm. I've already got an army that, not including the three or four characters I take, was like. 35 models yeah it's tiny now do i want to make it do i want to cut it down to 30 just to play the same list or do i want to try something else i'm 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 leaning away from the extra battalions i'm just to see what i can take and what i can do with the actual units mm-hmm. so that's 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 what i'm thinking is just i kind of want to do that i've the same as you i've played a little bit i've been playing it going to friday night warhammer at unique gifts and games Playing a little Stormcast when when AOS players show up, playing a little Space Marines when 40k players show up. One of my former students showed up with his Necrons. We've always talked. He always talked mm. about it in school. He's a senior, and he saw me with the Space Marines book, and uh, he was talking with me about it. And then one day he just showed up with his Necrons, and he like he has them and he paints them uh, and he plays with his friend who plays uh, some other Xenos army. I forget which army he said it was. Um. But he showed up. He'd never played Space Marines before, and he's always like, "Oh, I hate those guys. I hate the boys in blue." Blah 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 blah. blah. And uh, I didn't take a tough list. I just took, we just played power levels. Yeah, and I grabbed a lot of foot stuff, and um, it was just mostly mostly just tech Marines, and then a unit with five Terminators and a Terminator Captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things grind through Necrons. He was just like, "Oh, oh my goodness!" I'm like. Yeah, this is yep, yep. <laughs> this yeah. is this is what I was telling you about. It was fun. Like I said, I've just been getting in just basic pickup games. You know, like I said, I've got nothing coming up till Paca. I mean, I'm going to 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 Herner's event at yeah, the end right, of the yeah. month. But I'm I'm if if there's an if there's an extra if we're an odd number of teams, he and I will play. So there's nothing I really have to prep for that. We're just mm-hmm. gonna play if they need a, if they're if we're short an army if you need a ringer army. Sure. Um, and he's working on his Sylvaneth, but if he doesn't get it done, we're just both going to play a two two thousand point uh, Stormcast units, I think. And I'm just going to just take just some basic stuff just to play. Sure. Uh, I'm just excited to go, like yeah. and help out. Uh, once again, I'm helping out. I'm not competing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I've just got Packa coming up, and I kind of know what I'm playing. I, I want to get a few practice games in with my with my Space Marines because I haven't played that list yet. But you know, for Stormcast, it's like I know what I'm doing. It's like I don't. There's not a lot of prep, yeah. so I'm just I'm just playing for fun, which is just really kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I could say that more. I did play a fun game with the Molder a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that thing is stupid. Just want to throw that out there. Which is that with the with yeah Storm Fiends and then all the giant rats. Um, I put fifty rolls to er yes, fifty rolls to wound on a unit of blood letters from the shock gauntlets. And I got charged by a bloodthirster and a unit of thirty blood letters and I nuked them both. Just one unit of storm fiends. Storm fiends are dumb. They are, but these are the combat ones. It's not like it's the mortal wound spamination. Oh really? Yeah. So you just see I, I and I don't want to get people sending me hate mail, but I just sort of wish they would do the same thing. The same to thing they did with the Thunder. Just hey, they come in a, a unit of three has one of these, one of these, and one of these. Yeah, and I mean, I saved the extra bits. Yep. So if that ruling does come down at some point, it's just going to be boop 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 done. Sure. But for right now, 
And I think, I mean, because are, are any of them bad choices? Like the mortars I, mean, I don't like, but they're pretty effective. Um, it's just the problem is with the Storm Fiends, if you're going to look at a Storm Fiend, it's going to be the obvious. The Warp Fire Thrower is your best option. Um, but it's still, you have good options either way. The Shock Gauntlets are great, but that's only if you take Packmasters right. to get them the bonus to hit rolls. Okay. So that's cool. The drills are okay, but they're inconsistent with when the Storm Fiends pop up because it's a three plus for them to drill up. Oh, okay. Not auto like everything else, pretty much. So, I don't know. I've been doing five shock gauntlets and one grinder fist, which is the drill, and it's been great. Yeah. See, but it, yeah, I'm thinking if you have uh, by threes, one of each, every, but then every unit could come up from the ground, too. You don't even have to worry mm-hmm. about it because you have to have one. So, it's like, do I want a place or do I want to come up from the ground? Right. Uh, it just gives that variety of options. I just, I don't know. I just... I've played against just all those mortal wounds. It was just, it was just dumb. It yeah, was, it it's was. one thing when you don't get a choice or at least a chance. Uh huh. But with the combat ones, it's a little fairer. So, yeah. But they're also the only hit I have in the army besides a bunch of rat ogres. Well, and that's what a lot of people say. That's their that's their big their big gun. Why take it away? And I was like, well, I don't want, no, I'm not. I don't want to take it away. I mean, I think they're all still good. You just, it's just not pure. This you got right. a little bit of everything. Um. And I think if you had a little bit of everything, people could would have less reason to complain. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not you're not just spamming out this thing. It's like, hey, they, they come one of each of these. If I take a unit of six or unit of nine, I'm going to get one of each. You can it, well, yeah. Once you get to unit nine, you got like three of each. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm going to get three of these, and I'm going to get three of the close combat. I'm going to get three sets of mortal, and that's just hey, that's how they come. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just. God, those things—they're brutal. They just are. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it. I guess that's it for gaming. Uh, other than that, I've been—I've been rocking out. A, I just managed to get a couple of games. Uh, you know, trying out uh, Shadespire with uh, with Harrison, um, and he's playing it, and he's like, "This is pretty good." <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, "I know it is." He's like, "And it's quick." I'm like, "And there you go. Like, you can just pull that out." Uh, you can have a, ga- a club night, and you guys can get three rounds. If you got eight guys, you can get three rounds and crown a champion at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Really easy. So, um, that's that. Uh, any modeling? We skip modeling. You know, any, um, any, any good building? I've got all my tech marines done for Wapaka. Nice, which is good. I'm painting up a scout team right now, and God, those things are terrible. The Bolter Scouts. Oh, I've got all the sniper scouts with the camo cloaks. Yeah, I'm not enjoying these things as much as I did the tac marines. So they're a little rough. They're just they're small. There's a lot to them. Yep, and it just seems like it's a lot of effort for not a lot of payout. So I've got to go through my that Armageddon game, the box that I got because I built all the terrain, but I never got all the models built. And I know there's scouts in there, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they have the sniper scout option. Yeah, I don't remember what exactly. Because I literally there. have five scouts, and my my uh, my list for the uh, narrative at PACA is six scouts. Mm-hmm. Because I had the points left, and that's, I had enough to put one more in there. So I'm just like, oh, I don't want to have to buy a whole box of scouts. Yeah, for I'm, like, I'm hoping that they've got that for that extra sniper. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's two different kits, because I have one box of the scout scouts, and then one box of the sniper scouts. 
and they're not the same kit, so I'm mm. not sure. Okay. Well, if it's not, I may have to buy one. And what? Hey, what's one more box of models in the grand scheme of the of the you know the automobile cost worth of models I've purchased over the past eight years? So, mm-hmm. um, any other modeling? Anything else you've been doing? No, not that I can think of. Okay. Um, working on the Celestin Prime. Just got to get the swirly gig done. It's it's not easy. No, it's not. And I, I I'm not good at blending. And like if you look at the box, it's just like that nice colorful bl- that blend of the other color. And I don't just want to do one solid chunk color because I don't necessarily think that looks great. I want to get something. I'm trying different things. I'm going slow and steady with it. A lot of times I'll do like one coat, like try something, put or just do one part of it, and I'll put it aside to let it dry for the night and stay away from it because if I keep playing with it, I'll like I, I it's like I just try one step every night when I paint mm-hmm. and then leave it alone. I'm in no rush to get it done. I don't need it for anything. I just want to have it done. So going at one step a night and not rushing it, not feeling like I've got to, you know, this way I'm not sitting there going, oh, I just want to get this done. Like, it's never anything that's taking up my whole hobby focus. So I'm hopefully going to be able to get it where I want to get it by not making it the main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I uh, I built, well, <laughs> I basically built the whole army for uh, for Wapaka because I took, I took a list of stuff that I didn't realize I didn't have. Um, the Mountain of Devastators? Yeah. So I got, I, I got Marnius Calgar. I got... Librarian Tigerius. I got those guys built up and primed. Um, I got a Clulexus Assassin. Uh, I got six scouts. You know this is the narrative, right? It's not the friendly. It's the narrative. Oh, boy. I'm following the narrative. See, last year, my narrative was they were that unit with a brand new, like their leader got killed, so they got the the guy who was the highest up, like kind of took over, was new at this. They were basically fighting, trying to get home with this thing that they had were sent to get. And there was this war of just losing battles. And they were just like this war of attrition. They were trying not to die before getting home. Mm-hmm. And then I took that to pack and I lost all three games. So now they're missing. Mm-hmm. And what they had was important. So now we're sending these guys to go get them. See? And so they sent a heavier unit in because that first unit obviously didn't work. So I got Calgar. I got the librarian. I got the assassin. I got six scouts with sniper rifles. And then I got four units of devastators. Um, seven guys in a unit, uh, but two of them are just like Bolters. Marines. Yeah, Bolter Marines. Are I, you the sound the gun makes? Because that's what you're sounding like. Uh, might be. Yeah, you are. Two of the units have last cannons. One of the units has heavy, uh, the heavy Bolter, mm-hmm. and one of the units has um, the plasma cannon. I think the plasma guns. Uh, yeah, the plasma cannons. Yeah. Whatever's whatever's the one that has the big energy box on the back. Plasma cannon. Yeah, that's it. We'll see how that works. Sound the gun makes. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. It's <laughs> <laughs> my narrative is I'm going to win a game this year. I have one unit of Devastators in my list with two LAS cannons, and I feel bad. So, Dude, last year I played against some lists that were pretty hard no, for the narrative. Like, I know. I, I'm like, okay, it's not the friendly. Apparently the narrative, you can bring whatever you want. I guess. And if I lose Marnius Calgar, then I spent all these points, and then if he dies, then he just has to come back as a just a captain in Terminator armor, which is a you know a hundred points less. Yeah, I'm so, using Vulcan, so my captain comes out about forty points less. Yeah. 
you know, I, I lost all those games last year, and I we talked about it on the show. And uh, my friend uh, Jay from Las Vegas was talking to me, and he's like, "Look, I'm going to help you write this list." He's like, "It's pretty cool. It's fun. You're actually going to win a few games." He goes, um, "He goes now. He goes, but but he goes if you get some bad rolls, you might not. And if they run forward really fast and get right in you in combat, you're probably in a lot of trouble." He goes, "But." This will at least keep from you having to make your amazing like five sixes in a row when you. What, I killed Joe Pecoraro's like Redemptor, whatever the like baddest of the bad bad dreadnoughts is. <laughs> An ironclad or a venerable? Yeah, I, I which I, yeah, I don't know. He was uh, the <laughs> all I know is he was. It was this guy was going to kill everything, and it was like I needed sixes to hit, sixes to wound, sixes to this, sixes to that. He needed to completely fail on the on the save. All of that happened, and he blew up. Like he was just. We figured the odds were like, like literally. We roll. We we just figured out the odds of all those rolls happening in a row, and it was like one in eleven hundred or something like that for that exact thing to happen. And it was just like, oof. And then he proceeded to just pound on me after that. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just like, you know. And then I played against Chris Walker and his orcs, and those were just those are crazy. I love orcs. Can I just say I love. Orcs in 40k and fantasy. I just don't want to paint them all. That's that's my thing. I would play those guys to no end. I just don't want to paint them. All. I know you like goblins over orcs. No, it's just I don't know. Like I've played against orcs in 40k with my salamanders, and they just leave a nice green stain everywhere. Yep. So I don't know. I wasn't that impressed playing against them. They so. they can they die a lot, but it's like you know what? I think it's just my I just love that the you know the green tide. Mm-hmm. It's like when I played with my zombies. It's like I just love playing just the massive bodies. Just go, yes, kill, kill yes, you killed a ton, and there's <laughs> it's, yeah, it's still going back as far as the eye can see, and that's kind of what happened to me. Plus, he pulled up with that wagon that you could all shoot out of and jump out of. And he jumped out of them with like ten or twelve of those flamers. And oh, the, the Burna boys! Yeah, yeah, he just had him in a truck. I was in a truck. Yeah, pulled up, jumped out. I was like, I had no idea what they were about to do. It's like, okay, roll ninety-seven thousand saves. I said, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was rough. And then the but. third game that was, I got we got to play that team game, mm-hmm. and I played against Nurgle and Corn, and that was pretty rough too. Those, that was pretty awesome. Though. I didn't get to do it. I was so far down there uh-huh. on like good. I had to play Lou, uh-huh. and we didn't get the team game. There just wasn't enough teams. Oh, so you guys played just single game? Yeah, two of us played each other. Space Marine paintball. Oh no, I don't know. Oh boy, but I'm not taking Blood Angels this year, so it's already better. Oh, oh, you you played Blood Angels last year? Mm-hmm. I borrowed Scott Tip Swords. Oh, okay, and. Ball is not my friend. I love their lore. I no space vampires is not my thing. Okay, you know what it was. I said the same thing, and I love all things vampires. You know that, but mm-hmm. I never. Like I guess I didn't pick them. I, in fact, they weren't in my top three when I was picking armies to to think about doing. Uh, I listened to that independent characters episode where they do where they you know when they talk about an army and they just really cover the lore and things like that. Okay, almost anyone, any time they cover an army and do that, where they go through all that stuff, it makes me want to buy and play one of those armies. But the the guy they had on was amazing. Like he, it's like Joey Blood Angels. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember his name, and I apologize to the guy. Not that he's listening, um, but it like he knew everything. Mm-hmm. 
like all the little things, and he had his own little theories about this and that happening, and he's bringing up all these books on Dante, this happened and this stuff happened, and I was just listening, I'm like, that's kind of incredible. And when you hear about what happened with Sanguinius and why they're kind of crazy and they have that, it's it's interesting when you get the full story and it's not just space vampires, when it's like how they got to be that way. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, seriously, go listen to that episode of the independent characters. You will not be disappointed. Like, even if you don't, I mean, you may not walk away saying I want to play them, but you'll have a new, um, a new appreciation mm-hmm. for them when you get that full on story. Sure, it's really cool. I mean, I was, I was, I, I just found it fascinating. But that's just me. Um, that's about it. I was building that. Um, I'm. I've got the Storm Talon or the Storm Raven or whichever. I got the three. So I, you know, used to come in the pack where you could buy them. They, they were a little a little battalion on their own. Yeah. And so I got the three. Um, so I started building the big one. Not that I'm using it for anything. It's just I'm trying to get the boxes off my shelves. I'm trying to get stuff built and painted. And those were taking up a lot of real estate. So I'm like, let's get them built. It's kind of fun to build mm-hmm. them and paint them. I, uh, I actually picked up. There's some. I have it right actually to your left. I have some. I found uh, I was looking on YouTube for how to do like the canopies, the the clear glass, and not screw it up and haze it. And so they got this really low tack tape to kind of tape things in place, and a very, mm-hmm. and a special kind of tester's glue that's actually just for like the clear, the clear pieces. Sure. So it doesn't. Fit. So I ordered all that up. I'm learning how to put that together. I'm kind of excited about putting it together. Um, the two smaller ones. I don't know if it's talons or ravens and the storm whatever. It's talon or hawk. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a storm talent and I have the two and I have the storm ravens and I don't or, or whatever it is but the, the smaller ones when I opened up the box they didn't have the the little clear canopies like mm-hmm. the, the the big one had all its all the these these didn't uh and I called GW customer service and I was like dude there's none in either of them like I don't know like I don't that sounds stupid but I don't know what to tell you I'm like and I offered to pay for them I'm like dude I just I just need them like I I'll, I'll buy them whatever if you got bits whatever it co- I could just let get, they're like, nah, dude, we got you. And she, ordered, the lady I spoke to, ordered them up from the warehouse, got them, shipped them out to me. I got them this week. Like, oof, thank you, GW. Like, it was really quick, nice. I got things covered. Um, really excited. Just I'm trying to crank through and build all these things. Um, once I get all this stuff painted for pack of the the Space Marines, then I'm building the Star Drake because I'm gonna. I've got one. I'm gonna try and play with it. Yeah, put it in a list and play with it. So that's all that. I went on forever, and I apologize, but uh, I've just got. I'm I'm kind of doing a lot, like a mm-hmm. lot of little, a lot of little things, you know. But there's so many. Like I've got like you came over, you got over here. I had like three different paint trays out with different things set up on them because it's like the, uh, you know I just kind of rotate through them with whatever mm-hmm. I'm feeling like doing. So doing a lot of hobby. Yeah. Um, that's about that. Any other? You got any other? Anything interesting? No. <laughs> My life's been really boring for like last month, so. Okay, okay. Um, I am listening to the Monster Hunter files. Uh, usually only get one Monster Hunter book a year from, from Larry Correa, uh, and he just put out the, the newest one. Um, but this one is uh, 17 short stories, um, all by different authors. So he got a whole bunch of authors that, he knew that like playing in the Monster Hunter universe, and they wrote uh, stories. From Jim Butcher's got a story in there. Um, 
some of the other guys, John Ringo's got a story in there. So other authors that he's worked with um, and that he likes uh, have story. He's got a story in there. So if you if you like Monster Hunter, it's great. Let's, you know, bunches of little short stories. I can usually listen to one story either on my way to work or on my way to work and back. So I get like a story in a day. Uh, mm-hmm. don't have, don't, it, it's, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, that and I, I went to see Blade Runner. I went to see Blade Runner and it was amazing. It was amazing. So good. I was so excited. I go on, I'm going again this week. I'm going to see it again. Wow. Yeah, and it's almost three hours long, so that's a commitment, and I'm going again anyway. Like, I don't care. Okay. Uh, Chris, you went to go see it. He liked it, and we almost never agree on movies. Mm. So we're going to go see it together. <laughs> okay. We both went and liked it. It's it's If you like the first Blade Runner. Which it did. You will probably, I think you probably will like this one. Um, it kept all the stuff from the original and then just, brought in some news but it, it it was it was it was i thought worth it i was very pleased so that's that and uh i suppose we should call it here and mm-hmm. uh take a break and uh once we're done with this um yeah we should be done here uh we'll come back and we'll talk some of the lore of firestorm so we'll be back in just a minute Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your gamer may want, from board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program. Check out their events calendar, in-store or online. From Tuesday night miniature games and Thursday night board games to Friday night magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. We are back. We are back with a new season of War the Firestorm. Yes. Yes. I was really surprised with the name of this that Zinch didn't play a more prominent role. Yeah. Because Zinch has a spell called Zinch's Firestorm. <laughs> yeah. So I was just kind of expecting Zinch to be a little more prevalent compared to what he wasn't. So. Yeah. It's still a lot of corn and Nurgle, and I know they were the ones who really were the movers and shakers in the Realmgate Wars, and especially in Fire and Life, right? And this, which is we're, where we're we are still there, um, and we kind of need to be. This is still going off of that season of War campaign from last year. This mm-hmm. is building on that to a new campaign board. Um, I, I like it. I'm I'm a little torn. I know a lot of people are like, well, come on, let's get some of the other realms, let's get some of the other races, let's get some of this other stuff. I think it's interesting that they're they're slow building on these things that they've done, um, and not trying to just throw out something. It, 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 it's a kind of a catch twenty two. If you just give a tiny bit about every place, 
and you don't start to really build and in in and really mm-hmm. world build in the places you've established then nothing's got depth. Then right. it's all the, look, you got rid of the old world with 30 years of depth for this crap. Um, but now you're really building depth, and you've got stuff going on here. that, And some of this stuff, as we're going to discuss, the little hints and things that they're laying down for all the weird stuff that's going on in these realms, mm-hmm. you could mine this for a couple of years. You could. You really could with all the little hints and stuff they're giving. You could mm-hmm. mine this for a while. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it, they're doing a good job with it. They're giving it it's, – it's, it's, it's starting to take on a bit of an epic scale. Like remember when we first started playing and you, you sort of got the weird sort of almost, you know, Book of Genesis or, or you know, early, you know, you know whether it be – Native American or Viking mythology where you've got sort of these, you know, little realms, little stories and everything looked a little strange and we couldn't quite get a feel for it. Um, and now you're getting into these places and they're starting to really feel like places. I think the big thing is that they've established civilization as compared to just constantly fighting in wilderness. Yes. You're giving it a more tactile, familiar representation aside from a high fantasy setting. So I think that has a lot to do with it. So this is like a good anchor point mm-hmm. for where we're going in the future. But. Yeah. Now I'm and I'm I'm not saying that I don't want to see some of the other realms. I want to see what's going on in the other realms as well. I want to see those other races come up. I mean, love them or hate them, you know, depending on what you like to play. The, the elves need to show up at some point. Like they got really, they got. You know, I mean, they're just. I mean, they, they're they're a race that's in the book. They're they're not they're not compendium. They're there. We're getting, and we're starting to see them doing things here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I'd like to see their realms. I'd like to see stuff where they're a little more prominent. Um, and I'm not I'm not complaining. You know what I'm saying? I like what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, it's one of those I want it all type of things where, uh, you know, I want them to build this world as deeply as they can, mm-hmm. but there's, but by the same token, I'm so curious, well, what about these other worlds? Like we've been in, we've been in action guy ran for two years now. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we've been here for two years. There's six other realms. I don't necessarily want to take eight more years to get through them all. You yeah. know? Well, I mean, we've got five cause you really can't explore Akshi or, uh, Azir. Right. Because that's all blocked. Right. Yeah, and there's not going to be any fighting in Azir anyway. No. So that that I'm not worried about. But we've still got five others. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, everybody wants their place to get a little love. Everyone wants their place to get something going. Um, and I think once you've got seven realms to really, you know, it's like once we get a little introduction to them a little bit more, mm-hmm. it's going to be cool. We did get an introduction to the realm of metal a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely explored, like, obviously, we've been in Life and Fire the most. We've been in Chemon. Yeah. We've been in Shyish. Uh-huh. So, those four. And then we've not really been in Hish or Ulgu. Which are sort of connected and weird and strange. Life and Shadow. Or uh, Light and Shadow. Yeah. And then... Uh, Where else Gur. Have we? We've been in Gur. We have been in Gur a little bit. Gur's so, kind of cool, too. So, we've explored five of the seven for the most part. Yeah, you're so right. So we've not seen 
light and shadow yet. And they're dropping so many hints in that place. That place is really interesting. Like just the little stuff they're saying is mm-hmm. is grab is is grabbing my interest. I think it's doing it with everybody's. But yeah, that was you pointed out. We did. We we've been in metal. We've been in the realm of beasts, um, fire, light. We just everywhere except uh, hish and light and Ugo, shadow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Isidore yeah. would not be pleased. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, so we've yeah, we've got a little bit and uh, but this type of depth, I'm just I'm waiting for it to slowly start to move over to other places. I I'm, I'm really I would love to see another campaign like the Realm Gate Wars, like a like mm-hmm. a campaign series of books coming out. Yeah. That that we can jump into. But that's that's not Firestorm. Firestorm no. we are in in fire and life still. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little lore. Yeah. Um, this is picking up at the end of the Realm Gate Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is like a couple hundred years removed from Realm Gate Wars. Is it that far? I think so. Because they've had time to build those cities those up. Those massive so cities. I mean, and granted, Alarial pulled one out of the ground. Yeah. But that's besides the point. I think this is an indeterminate length between Realm Gate Wars and Firestorm. Yeah, I mean it's at least a generation or two because they've built up these these massive cities. Right now, weren't there cities there? But then they were trashed, so they've kind of rebuilt stuff. But and there were a couple that they've built on top of. Um, I think Greywater Fastness was built on top of uh, Ruin. Right. Um, right. So I mean, there was stuff there. Well, so maybe not hundreds, but definitely at least a few generations. You've yeah. got probably yeah. Um, and. and and that's one of the, that's another cool thing that you can do here that we couldn't do anymore before is you can be like okay this happened and now all this time has passed and we've managed to build this stuff and sort of this coming and here's the next big phase of 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 proper some real some real throwing down happening there was you know you can go through that time of respite of building and say okay now this is what's happened afterwards yeah um so you know, this is after so Sigmar. You know, if you remember in the end of the Realm Gate Wars, he he closed the Brimfire Gate, and actually, and he closed the Genesis Gate in Gyran. So he basically locked those off from Archaon at the uh, what is it at the All Gates? Yeah, <coughs> at I, the All Points. At the so. All Points, right? Um, now he didn't get everything he wanted. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because he didn't the well, the gate in uh, the realm of beasts just sort of went disappeared. Wonky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he managed to close down two, lock them down, and and then he and and they built. Um, they also grabbed the Stormrift Gate, and that's the one that connects actually to Gyran. Yep, and that's where they built uh, Hammer Hall, which was cool. The twin tailed cities. Yes. So the realm gates basically connect these two points, and on either side they build cities, which are now they're like sister cities. They're mm-hmm. basically connected uh, to each other. So they're two halves of the same major city, which is a cool idea. It is, and it's one of those things that if one side gets attacked, the other side can reinforce it right very quickly by moving through the gate. So you're essentially hitting two for the price of one. 
So it makes it much harder to attack it because you have to attack it from two different locations at the same time. Exactly. It's a really cool concept, and it's and across the realms. It's just like you got this city, and you can just step through this portal and have your other part mm-hmm. in this other city, this other realm. It's a really neat concept. Um, now, oh, this is something that I found interesting. Well, let me get to this part. Oh, page seven. Where is it? Um. So you've got these two these two sister cities going on and then and then once he's got these places that they really locked down and you like you said they started to expand to rebuild to have a civilization going again not just uh ragtag bands running you know the last of the survivors from the time of chaos it says uh, Sigmar starts uh, expanding in the ter- his territorial expansion in the realm of fire uh, it's not a coincidence he began his campaign of reconquest here at the Brimstone Peninsula. For centuries, the mortal armies of Corn, in particular the blood-maddened masses of Korgos Kuhls, Gortide, had destroyed all in their path, putting entire civilizations to the sword and torching the remnants of a thousand lost cultures. Yet many secrets and wonders remained, hidden beneath the volcanic valleys and ash-choked deserts of this stark realm, ancient relics of earth-shattering power that the God King would not allow to fall in enemy hands. Fourth wind is storm hosts and new strongholds of order sprang up from basalt and igneous rock. The banners of the God King flying high and proud from their battlements. So they're already dropping hints. There's all sorts of stuff in these realms from bygone civilizations that were advanced, that were destroyed, that now we don't want them picking up. Mm -hmm. So now we've got to go out there and get them first. And this is fun because that that, was that time of is it the time of myth is that they call that? The world that was? Well, no, the world that was was the Warhammer world, right? The right. original Warhammer world. But the time of myth was when Sigmar came and sort of joined everyone. To, well, even when Sigmar came was looking around and finding all the gods, there was evidence mm-hmm. of already bygone civilizations. Right. And this isn't even necessarily that. This is from that time of, and they thought they called that the age of myth. Yeah. And this is stuff, some of the things that they're here is stuff that, Sigmar and the other gods built together before chaos came and trashed it. But even under that is all of this old stuff. And they can, they, this is where you can start really mining this for adventures mm-hmm. and for cool stuff. Um, now we talk about three main strongholds in Akshi. Yep. Um, you want to, you want to talk about any of these? Yeah. Um, Hollow Heart, I thought was weird because it's, Based off of the Hallowed Knights. Right. They're the ones that founded it. However, we've only seen them mostly in Shyish uh-huh. and in Gyran. So why are they in the Realm of Fire all of a sudden? Well, uh, Sigmar wanted them there, oh, I, I guess. Know. Yeah, I but... Know. But <laughs> the point is, it's like we've not really seen them in the Realm of Fire. Right. So for them to suddenly be in the Realm of Fire, but they essentially are building on top of the Shimmering Abyss, which is a uh, former Zinch stronghold. See, and that's why I thought they came in, because those guys are pretty... The Hallowed Knights are pretty hardcore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a place with... I mean, a corn place, you can send in any Stormcast to sort of clean it up. A Nurgle place, you can send in any Stormcast to clean it up. A place that heavy with magic and stuff, Hallowed mm-hmm. Knights are not a bad choice. No. And then they put the most logical non-stormcast with them which is the devoted yep to consecrate the ground like we talked about in blight war right so i, don't know, I liked that one 
Um, and then the infamous Envil Guard, um, which is a weird combination of things, like Order Draconis and uh, the Scourge Privateers. Oh yeah, I it's, like this one. Yeah, you got a. It's a port city on the Charwind Coast. Uh, that the anvils of the Heldenhammer find, found this place. Um, people who live in Anvilgard have sort of taken on their dourness too. Like mm-hmm. the people who are there are really sort of serious. I love how it says the Anvilgardians are dour and hardy frontier folk, distrusting of outsiders and beholden the superstition and ancient folklore. Um, but then you've got a jungle encroaching right on them, mm-hmm. right around the port. It's all heavy jungle, in which you've got the elves. A lot of these elves guys just riding out there every day, just like out there to hunt the big monsters and keep the place safe. And because their hides bring a good price, yeah, and they're good to use. So I just I I love that it seems you seem to have a lot of dark elves or what were dark elves now mm-hmm. in this area because you got the corsairs riding the boats, keeping the seas safe, making sure people are following the rules, mm-hmm. almost martially. Yeah, well, and that's it. It's like they're the good guys, but they're not nice guys at all. Yeah. Like, they're pretty brutal and pretty harsh, but they're still working for Sigmar. Like, they're working against chaos. They're just not nice. Yeah, and it's the dour nature of the dispossessed, too. Yeah. So it's two things that we've previously never seen, like, really mash up. Suddenly, they're bros. And yeah. living in the same space, dogs and cats living together. It's uh, but it works. It does, and it's fascinating. Uh, and plus, the whole dark elf thing now kind of fascinates me because, I mean, just for years, Chris Barnett would argue with me, just to be an argumentative little, you know, so and so. Yeah, just no, no, no. They're not dark elves. They're elves. You know, he always sat there and said they weren't an offshoot. They were all elves. They just. You know, grew up differently. They had different sort of lifestyles, but they're still all brethren, um, which is actually sort of like how Eldar and Dark Eldar are. They're they're brethren. They just never agreed on you know the right you know how they they didn't mm-hmm. like the, each other's style of living. And then you get to end times and you find out, uh, oh, dude, when Barnett found out because you know he stopped playing before that and he didn't read any of that end time stuff. When he found out that he was right. Mm-hmm. There was like there was a small there was like that one day we were talking about it and there was the admitting that he was just sort of digging at us. He kinda is like I always kinda hope that's how it was, but I was just trying to aggravate Chris Hugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Then he found out he was right and he was just like, That's awesome. Like he yeah. was so proud of so and now of course you can't bring it up without him gloating. But mm-hmm. um I like it. And it's and beca- now that you see it this way, it, it does fascinate me. Like how are they working into this I mean someone we've always taken as you know, they were always chaos, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and now they're not. They're order, and they're just, like you said, they're not nice. They're very martial. They're very brutal. Um, watching the ways and the places that they fit in, I find fascinating. Yep. Uh, last one we got is Tempest's Eye. Yeah, and this one's the Tempest Lords, which are kind of like the pseudo-religious fanatical. They have to like kill 12 times their number before they can go back otherwise they're a failure. Oh, that's right. These are that's right. I okay, we read a, they weren't like book 2 of the Realm Gate War yeah, novels. Yeah, that's when they were they? introduced and that's when they first mentioned like female stormcast and how the Tempest Lords are kind of like a collection of 
one particular household or sect that right. was and they were all nobility and the they're Victrians. like yeah yes. and and they were told they're worth 12 of every mortal man of any mortal man. so when they yeah when they go to battle if they get sent back to be reconstituted back in, and they haven't taken 12 then yeah they've screwed up then they're shamed oh, that's right i forgot about those guys yeah and how this is isn't like the way the tempest lords play and the their particular style is very fast very um aggressive and very flight based yes they have a lot of prosecutors in their ranks so the tempest eye is essentially just a gigantic i looked at this and i read like the rookery and how it's set up there's just it's a like lot an eerie of, almost yeah an eerie that's what it is um so that's the way i looked at it just a bunch of flying things like uh, and they talk about gyro cutters in dwarden airships which obviously is overlords right so there's well, the, the whole the whole city is carved out of the rock of titan spear mountain mm-hmm. now this mountain must be ridiculously huge because this is a multi-level metropolis it says it's got winch lifts and cable carriages so i'm picturing like you know like when you go skiing the like the cars that take you up the mountain they got those connected between the parts in the city for people to go through for those who can't fly on their own um like you said you've got um you you've got the the overlords and those guys flying around up here uh celestial magic swin- uh, swirls around the place um, they have observatories and all this stuff to sort of be scrying out what's going on. It's very, it, it's a very neat uh, place if you're into that sort of. Like you said, the, the, all the different flying guys. Um, there's four smaller peaks all around it, uh, little fortified watchtowers, and um, yeah, the Swift Hawk agents with allied humans and elf rangers. And Etherguard are up there and all that stuff. So it's uh it's it's a it's a pretty cool concept for a city. Yeah. And again, humans, Dwarden, elves, and Stormcast all living and working together in these areas. And that I think is really that's great. Um you know, trying to build this sort of, you said, this civilization where they're all working together. Mm-hmm. They're not just all under the banner of order. They're actually banded together and working. Right. Uh, which is cool. Except for the Seraphon because they just show up when they're needed. Yeah. Now, with the next section talking about the Flame Scar Plateau, this is kind of what the actual campaign itself is based off of. Yes, this story. So, I was a little miffed that they didn't do more with the Realm of Life. In the actual gameplay of it, but yeah, well, the board is in Akshi, and yeah, the like board the realm is of just life, Akshi. yeah, and the realm of life is sort of in it because they're connected to Hammerhall. Yeah, but you still can't campaign in Hammerhall or in a right Gyran. It's a, it's it's it it's almost a bit of an afterthought. It is, and that's a little. It would be one thing if the map could flip over and have it be a life campaign. Well, you need to, but but. One of the reasons that they're campaigning here is because of what is here. Which is what we're going to talk about now. Right. Um, I could totally see an expansion board coming out with another story, and we've already got all the pieces and all the things you need. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need all that extra stuff. If you've got Firestorm, maybe they come out with a whole other campaign thing, or they just come out with you can just buy the board. 
Yeah, or life drizzle or whatever, right. like a supplement. Exactly. You could you could take it as a supplement. I mean, you can release it both ways too. I suppose you could do the whole box with everything. So if you don't have Firestorm and you just want you just want to have your stuff in the in Gyran, you could buy that box mm-hmm. or just buy the maps. Right. Um so what this is based off of is in the Flamescar Plateau, which is a stark place, a primordial landscape fashioned by the cataclysmic eruption of ancient volcanoes intemperate in the furnace of endless, of endless war. And they talk about this Al- Agloraxi Empire. The Agloraxi. Which this is, is a cool... Yeah. I mean, it's just like... and also, I, We never heard of these people because they were wiped out well before any of the story that we know mm-hmm. really started. And... It almost reminded me of the Sky Titans when you read about those guys in the old Ogre book, and you're like, wait, yeah. what? Like, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these guys were... I think this is one of those that was there before the Age of Chaos started. Oh, yeah. Because how they were smote down and everything, but essentially what they... Is it's a majocracy, which is the mages controlling everything. Um, Anyone who doesn't have magical capabilities or refuses to use them... Mm-hmm. Like like they like they don't believe in it. It's almost like slavery. It's you're, like you're, slavery. you're enslaved. You are yeah. literally enslaved. So they've got the mages who run everything, and all the people who who toil for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the archdomini they live in Aramentia. Yep. And that I just I read that and first I thought of Araman, you know from 40k. <laughs> but I'm like, if it's a highly magical place, it didn't surprise me at all. And this is where I was expecting some Zinchi stuff to happen. Right. But then it was like, no, just Corn kept attacking them because it's the realm of fire and that's Corn's place and he doesn't let Zinchi in. And I'm thinking, uh, um, okay, like doesn't I was I was expecting Zinchi here too at this yeah. point. Especially when the when the name just reminded me of Air. I'm like, God, there's gotta be something. Yeah, he should be here. Um, but essentially what they did is they created like massive automatons, so like golems to giant go yeah. Yeah, the vast humanoid automatons to perform the tasks of battle and construction. And they use these to assemble a continent spanning engine of desolation that when properly aligned could focus the light and heat of Axian self into a lance of destructive energy powerful enough to breach the very fabric of reality, also known as the Death Star. The Prismaticon. Death Star. Now, I totally misread this the first time I read it, and I thought it was like a cannon the size of the continent, like just a, like, like just a giant, like two-mile-long, giant-barreled cannon. And I was like, wait. This- That's a little too simple. Well, and it didn't make any sense. And then mm-hmm. I had to go back and read it again. I'm like, wait a minute. Continent-spanning engine. See, because it said it was... I read it as the engine. Then as when you look later, when you actually see the eyes of the Prismaticon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what this engine is, they built tower. Okay, it's pictured the eye of Sauron on mm-hmm. the top of the tower from, from the Lord of the Rings. Except instead of an eye, it's like a giant focused gem slash mirror thing. Slash, you know, um, and so they take the light and heat, you know, because we, we've read before the, the realm of fire when they went to free the God Beast. Mm-hmm. How I mean, parts of that are so close to the sun that if you get up there and around that heat of the god beast and stuff, like you'll just die from heat. Um, and they built this thing, so there's towers strategically positioned all over the realm, 
which when properly focused and attuned and aligned will take that light, you know, use it, reflect it, refract it. It's kind of like a... <laughs> when you take the magnifying glass to the sun and focus yeah. it and you're burning ants on the sidewalk, you know, like that kind of stuff. Except it's huge. And, you know, once you align it to the proper where the light's coming in, it will just... Yeah. And it can wipe out... It wipes out entire armies. And they need these golems. And it says these golems are like... Now, it says they're mountain-sized. I have trouble with that. Just pick really, like, literal... Like, that. Maybe they're huge, but mountains? Like, mm-hmm. why do you need the Prismaticron if you can make mountain-sized you know, things to fight and do your work? Um, but it takes these huge guys to actually... Because you can turn these giant towers. Because they can turn and focus mm-hmm. and align just properly. And, and when, they're, when they're perfectly aligned is when they're at their most powerful. It's a very cool idea for a weapon. Um, and then they capture this thing called the Fulminax? Yeah, it's... Is that a god beast, or is it just a... That's how, exactly how I read it, was it was another god beast. So there's another one, another god beast in Akshi, other than the one that they released already. Yeah, which was uh, Volcatrix. Yeah. So, is I mean, it could be a god beast, or it could be something a little smaller than one, but uh, this thing's just... That you can't even get near it just without being incinerated. But Which is why they need the Colossi. Right. So, essentially, it's an elemental monster formed of pure primordial realm stone um, that they capture and chain up like how they did Vulcatrix, but they do it underneath a mountain. Uh-huh. And, and they're using that power to mm-hmm. make things. Right. And then to power the Prismaticon. Yeah. That, that Prismaticon's kind of just crazy cool once you realize what it is. Like, I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Now, I do get a little confused with this, though. You've got these giant towers with these giant, like, gemstone things at the top that they're focusing to fire off this this incomparable, you know, this incomprehensible amount of, of energy and power. And then they use the power they siphon from this Colossus or from this, 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 the, the, you know, the, this behemoth, and they create the scepters of flame. Okay, and scepters of flame are forged from meteoric metal, imbued with raging heat of primordial fire magic. They focused and amplified the killing beam of the prismaticon. So, does that mean like the prisma, like they hold it up and they use it, and the I'm just picturing this beam from the Prismaticon coming down and hitting their scepter, and the scepter almost using that and focusing it, mm-hmm. um, which seems weird that this giant laser would be come down and be focused through their weapon. Yeah. And I'm trying to picture how that works, like how that goes together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't 100%... I, I don't quite get it, unless I'm right. just missing something. No, I had a hard time making the connection, too, because um, it looks to me like they're staffs of office, and then... They, but they can use them to wipe people out. I just wonder if it siphons like a portion off of it. Like you can't, like the Death Star doesn't have to be set to 12. Every right. time you could set it down to like one or two. Right. But but you also can't, you, you know, you, you don't have, Darth Vader's not walking around with a staff of office where the Death Star fires its laser at the staff and the staff focuses it and amplifies it. That's what I'm saying. If this is so powerful, amplify it like making it even more power like 
I don't understand exactly what's going on and mm-hmm. how it's channeled. Yeah. Because it just seems dangerous if you're in your, you know, your, because it does say it's also a symbol of their office. People come before them when they have them and, and pay obeisance to them because you better because, you know, they'll kill you. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking he's standing in his, like, you know, his chamber inside his little castle or whatever. Yep. And he holds it up and suddenly, like, part of the castle walls destroys this prismaticon shoots its beam into this thing. Like, so, I mean... And maybe I'm just being a dullard. You know, no, maybe. but it's one of those things that you're trying to wrap your head about how it works. Yeah, because you want to imagine what these things can do. Yeah, and not even this. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't need, I don't even need to know like the actual mechanisms of it. I just want to picture what it looks like when it's working. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite getting it. Right. Um, but it is a cool concept, and it's important because there are three realms on the board. Which, if you capture all three of those realms. It allows you to make one of these weapons, and you win instantly because nobody can stand against you when you've got one of these, which is just crazy. Like, mm-hmm. that, this thing is so powerful. If you have one of these, you can defeat armies. It's like in Indiana Jones. If we walk with the Ark in front of us, you're all toast. Right. Yeah, it's just crazy. Um, but this this... There's a huge battle. They capture the Fulminax. They use the power to make these things. Uh, and they're kind of tyrants, you know, uh, and they're cocky and they're self-sure and Corn has had enough of them. Mm-hmm. And Corn sends a whole army of demons to go take care of them. And the leaders all just hold up their scepters of flame and just like, and the army's gone. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ha! And apparently they made the mistake of then turning around and laughing at Corn. You think you're so tough. So then Korn just basically reached through into their realm himself, like took the <laughs> got angry enough to reach through and basically punched their entire civilization. If you notice it says he battered the grand city of Emeritia from the sky with a furious strike with his fist. Yep. So this is a floating city above this area, yeah. Hmm. Weird. So their empire is in a floating city, and he just punches it. He does. He punches it and right out of the sky, and it comes crashing down. Mm-hmm. And now what we've got is this is already a volcanic area. All that volcanic ash and stuff is gets knocked up into the sky. The everything breaks apart. The prismatic crons are, are chunks of them are all over the ground, and then all this ash as it all settles on top of it. This civilization is buried. Mm-hmm. And here we are, thousands of years later, and we don't even know that that's what happened. That's just the rumor. Right. Of where the civilization went. Nobody knows if actually that's what actually happened. Although that would be pretty awesome if it was. How powerful were they? That Korn was sending an army after army and they were just brushing them aside. To the point where Korn got so mad, he went himself and just punched them out of the sky. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It is. Like, you hear other stories where Korn gets really mad. He's got his sword and stuff and he's attacked things and he's like, you know, created, you know canyons and valleys where his sword hit and leveled continents and these guys got him so ticked off that he just he punched them out of the sky mm-hmm. um so now the flame scar plateau this is and this is why we're playing here yep because sigmar knows what's underground there and he knows that he doesn't know if he's the only person that, that knows, knows it's, it's there, there. Uh, but he knows that he's got to be the person to secure it before anybody else does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's basically where we're sort of 
at is that you've got all these different things happening and now um and we're going to find out why in the next section but basically there's a lot of different races all fighting around this place yep um, and the, the fighting brings more fighting. The Skaven are interested. They want to see what's up. Of course, wherever there's fighting, the orcs show up. Mm-hmm. So now you've got all these races coming to this place. Uh, and the more blood that's getting spilled, the more people are coming to see what's going on. Yep. So in trying to in trying to hide it, he's also... Drawing more attention drawing to it. Drawing more attention to it. Um, and then they mentioned the wonders of the Aglaraxi, which is pretty cool. Um, these four things. Okay, the Titan Works is where they made the Colossi, mm-hmm. and they mentioned that. And um, it does say they they were they constructed and aligned the eyes of the Prismaticron. And if you can get if you can find the Titan Works and get it working, whoever were to find this and get it going would be able to create Colossi, which would be a huge shift in the power structure. In the game, not mm-hmm. even having the <laughs> the things that the Colossi built as weapons, yep, just them would be a huge power shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got in here? Then they have the cal- the caverns of Fulminax, which is where the elemental is still. He's still there. The chains, the the chains with all the runes and stuff that they chained him with, are still holding, mm-hmm. and it is still down there, and it is not happy. No. And it says here, to enter is to lose one's mind to the fire monster's ever-burning fury, to risk blindness, madness, and obliteration. Yeah. that's uh, How crazy is that that they have to capture this thing, and then they can still chain it after all of these years? Yeah, and it's still down there. Um, I love sort of that 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 rage and that fury. It reminded me of when they would fight, they would fight Scarbrand, and they would mm-hmm. just stop fighting him and just kill everything. Just kill everything. Yep. Uh, it's still, it seems to have a bit of that to it. Um, then, of course, you got the eyes of the Prismaticon. Um, these are the big towers that are around, the, and each tower has the, the crystal lens. Um, if you could get one of these things going, um, it's, it's super powerful. It says, um, at the base of each tower is a glass prism. Should the eyes be aligned... The resulting lance of refracted light and flame can topple mountains, cause almost instantaneous volcanic cataclysms, and burn entire armies to ash in the blink of an eye. Even a single captured eye can be put to deadly use, though without the correct alignments, its power is a fraction of the Prismaticon's true strength. Mm-hmm. So this is you know something you want to grab a hold that Sigmar wants to make sure nobody gets a hold of. And yep. then the last one, you got the Infinity Gears. Yeah, so this is something that was ancient in there before the Aglaraxi Empire even emerged. Yeah, but so the Archdomini were the first ones to figure out how to use it. Yeah, and this must be the stuff from the time of myth then. Yeah. Um, so what this does is they can like pierce the very fabric of the cosmos and gain insights from another age so they can look and see... Like where things are going, so so they know where to aim the prismaticon, which is the big thing, and they can fire it through the realms, through the uh, Eternia realmway. So this way, they can direct its killing beam through this transdimensional pathway to strike their target with unerring accuracy. 
So this is how you aim it. They can, yeah, they can actually see the movements of the universe. Yeah, they, they the little the colossal gears. They can see how the universe is twisting, turning, and moving. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they can basically fire this thing into one of their realm gates and know exactly where it's going to come out and who it's going to hit. So even if you try to threaten them from another realm, they will still shoot you in the face. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. It's really, I mean, that's that's just going into the realm of okay, that's really weird. Yep. And if you can, and if you can get them and figure them out, you'd have that power too. And then it flips over to uh, to the realm of life, the strongholds in Gyran. Yeah, and these are the three cities from the season of war. Yep. That we did last year, um, just a little more expanded upon. Right. Uh, Greywater fastness is. Um, you know this 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 place that they took. Um, you got them building. You got lots of men and Duarden. They're just building iron. The, the Iron World Arsenal is there. They're building all their machines of war. They basically got into this place, built walls around it, and said, "We're not letting it go." And then everything that was bad in this realm started attacking them, mm-hmm. and they blew it all away. Like they held their ground. Except the problem is now. Outside of where their realm is, outside of those gates, it's like a no man's land of just destruction, mm-hmm. um, which the realm of life doesn't really care for. Like the realm itself no. is unhappy about all the destruction they've caused, even though they're defending it. It's caused a lot of destruction. So you have a lot of wood woodland spirits and stuff out there. If you go off of the actual roads for trade routes, mm-hmm. you may disappear forever. Right. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting place. Um, I didn't even think about that. Like all these battles and all this black powder and stuff that they're making. This it's a very it's a very industrial city. It reminded me of Nuln. Yes, um, which which seems incongruous in the realm of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see how the realm of life, even though it's there and it's defending the realm, the realm of life doesn't care for it. Right. And it's not directly attacking it. But if you leave there and go outside, everything around there is hostile towards you. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, what else we got? We got the Living City. Yeah, and this one is pulled out of the ground by Alarial. Yep. And it essentially becomes a natural bulwark against the savage powers of the realms, and it's a woodland city ringed by thorn-studded towers and walls of choking vines. And it's to the point that the city can be called upon to defend itself. So, like, the roots move to crush things or do stuff like that. Um... And this is the city's expanding on right. its own as well. Yeah, it's of its own accord. It's almost like a sentient presence. Yeah, the walls are getting larger and spreading outward more. Like they're as 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 they beat away their enemies, and there's clear, you know, like they, they'll they'll take that land, and the trees will grow there, and, and the the walls will spread out farther, which is kind of a neat idea because it, it's. It's so connected to the land that is whatever parts it holds onto, it just expands into on its own. Right. Um, it is pretty cool. A uh, lot of cool hunters, artisans, craftsmen, um, anyone who is really in touch with nature or is good hunting in it winds up in this city. And then you got the Phoenicium. Which I thought was kind of neat. Uh, they said it used to just be a ruin, and it was by this mountain, and the slopes of the mountain were ripped open. And when they tore this gash in the side of the mountain, this sticky sap 
this almost amber liquid starts pouring out of it. And as it's pouring down the mountain, as it's touching things, including the people who were battling around it, as soon as it touched them, it just crawled up and covered them. Mm-hmm. And then hardened. Yep. Like they were turned into like statue. They, you know, suddenly they were encased in amber. Mm-hmm. Basically, these like statues. It covers up the whole place. This whole battle stops. This war that's going on around there stops because this liquid that poured out solidified and just everything was turned into basically these living statues. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward however many years. And the Phoenix Guard come in there with their phoenixes. Yeah. And it's the combination of the hot and cold from the flame spire and the frost hearts that they kind of create this nimbus of energy that you can actually melt this amber that's formed, which forms a golden mist that enveloped the ruins and is still there protecting it and then if you get too close to it and you're hostile you can get coated in it and freeze up yep and there's there's all sorts of areas where you see all of these these you know these enemies encased in amber just Mm -hmm. locked up and stuck there another realm that defends itself yes that's one of the cool things in the realm of life is it the actual land is alive and doesn't like you messing with it so you get that cool stuff. Um, and you got a lot of pilgrims coming. A lot of Phoenix. All in the Phoenix Guard are mute, aren't they? Or they don't speak? They're silent, yes. Yeah. So you've got this weird, quiet place where a lot of these Phoenix Guards come. With uh, that They were there with the Phoenixes, which, like you said, that caused all this mm-hmm. to happen after it was frozen, down, frozen up. So the... If you're a Phoenix Guard in this realm, they often make pilgrimages to and stay at th- at this particular place, mm-hmm. which is makes it a weird, creepy, almost silent city. Yeah. Even though it's very active. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Um, and basically all that's brought up because um, they're there. They're basically backing up Sigmar in the realm of fire. That's these different cities that she built. Mm-hmm. Um, all these battles, all these things, you know, Nurgle was trying to still grab it, hold on to it. They they managed to really secure this place. It's a stronghold. They're keeping it all together, and um, but they're keeping an eye out for Nurgle, and so it's keeping an eye out for Nurgle. Basically, the one place where they are the most uh, supportive of that is like we said at the, at the Realm Gate mm-hmm. at Hammerhall. Uh, and then the last bit is the Blazing Crusade. Yeah, which is kind of like the next foray in the realm of Akshi. Yes. So we dabbled in life, back to fire, and this is basically what the sea, what the Firestorm is, is this Blazing Crusade. Right. Um, and it's all these different players coming in. You have uh, Stoneclaw and his Oryx uh-huh. smashing everything up. You've got the Hand of... Well, those guys came in later. Before that, yeah. basically... Sigmar knew he was going to have to get the Flame Scar Plateau and and make it his own. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that was you're going to have to attack from all of these major cities in Akshi that he's put together, we've talked about. Just strike out from them at the same time and secure as much land around it as possible. So basically you could secure, if you can secure enough of this spot, you'll have 
the the whole plateau pretty much surrounded. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty bold maneuver, but he basically starts a war on every front. Yeah. He just goes and sends guys out in force from every one of the cities, every one of these major cities we talked about. They go barreling out of there and just crushing everything in their wake. And as they're doing that, they're successful as heck. But they're also a lot of what, what I guess, I mean, they're the bad guys, but they've almost become what you would call like, the natural predators in those mm-hmm. areas. Wiping out the natural predators in those areas and having them become a much more peaceful area uh, after you have uh, pacified it. Now you've got an area that's not full of the baddest bad guy on the block. So all the other guys have sort of been in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Now's their time to shine. Yeah. So that's where you get, like you said, the, the orcs are coming out. Mm-hmm. The ogres are coming out. The skaven are coming out. Yeah. Everybody's coming out to play. Yeah. Because now that they've now that they've they've broken Corn's stranglehold on the area with all of his guys, mm-hmm. it's like, oh look, we cleared him out. It's going to be peace. No, no, you cleared out the big bad. Now there's nobody to keep all these other little bads in line, and they're all showing up. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the story. You are part of the guys who are fighting with all the little bads. So why don't we take another break, and then we'll come back and go over some of the campaign rules and stuff like that. You good? Yeah. All right, we'll do that. We'll be right back, folks. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back bringing the storm in Firestorm with how to play the campaign. Yes, yes. Now, we're going to go through some of the stuff with the campaign rules. Very briefly. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things in here that are cool. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you're interested in playing a campaign, pick it up. Yeah. And basically, the map is cool. The little stickers that come in that are reusable, they're kind of like color forms. Oh, I did get an email from someone who knew what color forms were. They're like, I got you. I understand. Um, but it's... If you've played Mighty Empires, it's similar mm-hmm. in concept. I mean, there's there's some of the things have changed, but you basically get the, the idea. Um, you've got the map. The map's an a- actually. Um, 
there are three particular areas that are marked, uh, and if you can control those three areas at the end of a round, then you can you can try to create the scepter of flame. And if you create the scepter of flame, you win. Yeah, I think it's one of those that you have to control one different area to create the scepter, and then control the other three to master it. Yeah, I so mean, you essentially have to get four spots. It's not an easy task it's not an because easy win. because your opponents are going to start as soon as you have two of them, you're mm-hmm. going to get challenged nonstop. Yeah, or try to make you lose your spot. The other option to win is to get thirty glory points, which is like the points you get for winning games. Um, and there's right. a few other ways to get them for building different things. Yes. So this lets you build settlements, um, different fortifications, and stuff like that. Similar to Quick Money Empires, but it's a lot more cleaned up. It's cleaned up. There's there's more options mm-hmm. for things to do. It's not just like I take a territory, I get some gold, I can do this. Right. There's there's uh, there's interesting things. Now it is a little vague. It says it doesn't have a sequence of play. You just challenge each other. Um, I know from running campaigns before that I just keep looking at it going. This would be problematic a little bit. Yeah, I think that would probably be best solved with like a roll off or uh, yeah, at least a roll off to see who gets to challenge first. Because basically, once you're challenged, you have to accept. Right. Um, and this allows. Now, what's interesting is you have a map. And let's say I challenge you, okay? I look at the map, and I put down my marker where I want to battle. Now, if you're cool and you want to battle there, you put your marker there, and we battle there. If you don't want to battle in that realm, you know, because uh, you have to battle in an unoccupied realm or a realm that one of us already control. I can't just go into somebody else, some mm-hmm. other players, and take it. So let's say um, you have a realm that you control, and I want to take it from you. Uh, so I say I, I challenge you, and I put my token in the area you control. Now, you can say, sure, let's fight for it. Or you can actually say, no, I don't want to fight and lose that territory. And you can pick a different territory to fight in that's not occupied at the moment. Um, or one of my territories. You want to try to take my territory. Just because you're the challenger doesn't mean you're completely locked. Right. So so you're like, oh, you know what? You want to take my territory? I think we should fight in your territory so I can take your territory away. If we don't agree, we have to roll off to see mm-hmm. who gets to actually make the choice, which I think is cool. Yeah. Uh, that's very, it's a very interesting mechanic, um, uh, you know, because it allows you this uh, this way to just – just because you don't get to be the one picking doesn't mean you're going to get picked on. Just because you're mm-hmm. doing well, not everybody's going to jump and say, well, we're just going to – whoever can do it, go fight in his realm so we can take that realm away from him so he doesn't win. Because you may not fight in that realm. He mm-hmm. may suddenly amass an army somewhere else and you have to fight him somewhere else. Right. Um, and I, I did like that. Um, now, there's a lot of cards that come with this game. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I also thought was interesting. You get domain cards, and you get a set, of, a core set of domain cards, and these are the cards that are going to actually allow you to build your army, mm-hmm. which is great. Which is weird. Okay, you get. I think I think you get a dozen of them, right? And you mix them up, and then they're shuffled, and you keep them in your little. You get a little sleeve. It reminded me of Clue. You get your little. Yep. Your, your little, you know, sleeve, and there. You also get a. Uh, like a strategy card, or no, an objective card, a secret mm-hmm. objective card. And um, your secret objective is in there. You don't show it to anybody. You, you you get three. You pick the one that you think you could do. You put the other two back in the deck. You put your secret objective card in your little clue envelope. 
Mm-hmm. If you get your secret objective, that's worth extra glory. Right. Meanwhile, fighting and winning battles is worth glory. Now, you have your 12 domain cards. On your domain cards, you have what's called muster points. Yeah. And muster points, you get like 10 wounds worth of models. Or if you're playing match play, it's 100 points. It's 100 points. So you get eight of your 12 cards, right? And so you add up all your muster points, and that tells you what size your army is. Mm-hmm. So it's not always going to be the same. There no. are other things on there, too. There are other little bonuses you can get. But so it's not like you just make a list and then you're like, oh, I'm good with this list. Or this is a list I want to practice for a tournament with. I'm always going to play this. No. Because it changes constantly. It changes every round. You never know what you're going to be allowed to play with. Which now, if you have like a Friday night or a Thursday night game club and you want to come every week and do your thing on the map and everybody play, you're going to have to bring your models and have time to write up lists mm-hmm. as soon as you're done right. with this. Because Or you do this at the end of the mm-hmm. night. You Okay, we've all finished our battles. This is what we've done. We pick our battles and we show up next week right. ready to play. Mm-hmm. Um, because... That and that's neat. Now, there's also upgrade domain cards. You can actually spend uh, glory and things you earn to take some of the domain cards you have and trade them up for better versions with mm-hmm. with more options to them. Um, very neat, very neat uh, thing that you can do here. Yep, uh, I like that a lot. There's a realm gate marker mm-hmm. that you roll and it randomly moves around. Yep. Um, now, one of the things that can happen is if you fight where there's a realm gate, uh, you're you can you're, it's like you can get your troops in there quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if there's no realm gate there, when you win a territory, you can fortify it. You can put down a little thing that allows you to fortify, just like you're, you're garrisoning it, like when you would play in Mighty Empires and you build a, a little castle and you'd upgrade it to this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, Having a garrison means you get to take extra domain cards if you fight in that town or an adjacent town because you've got reinforcements there. Right. Uh, so it's, it is it is a, a bonus for you to fight. So obviously if you take a territory, it's good to garrison it because if someone's trying to take it away from them, you get extra cards. You're going to have a slightly larger army simply because you have more guys permanently stationed there. Right. Um, if the realm gate, if you fight in a realm where the realm gate is moved to, because it's a realm gate, they just assume that everybody can come in. Mm-hmm. So you don't get any garrison bonuses, sure. whether you have the garrison there or not. It's like everybody can get their stuff in, so you don't necessarily get to do that. Uh, you both players are treating have garrison, so there's no. Well, you actually, you actually, I got that wrong. I'm sorry. It's like you both have a garrison there, so you both get the extra cards, but if you actually have a garrison there, it doesn't stack. Right. So a realm gate basically gives everybody the garrison bonus. Just little things like that. It's very cool. You pick your domain card, you fight your battle, you get the spoils of war. Um, Now, you can earn strategy points. Some of your domain cards have things called strategy points, Mm -hmm. and you you can add all of them, and you can uh, spend them. And there are little stratagems that you can use, and they're worth anywhere from one strategy point up to five. Yeah, and these are not like you get them every game. You have a running tally right, of how many you have, so you may not want to use ones and twos right away. You may want to save them for later battles. Right, exactly. Yeah, it says reveal them after you've set them up. You can't pick the same stratagem more than once per battle. Mm-hmm. So you can actually have it multiple battles, but once you've picked it and used it in this battle, 
Mm-hmm. It's it's burned, so yeah. you can't. Yeah, but it's not like you get the point fresh back, like how we would have a command point in forty k. Right. It's not like that. This is a running total that you have through the course of the campaign. Right. 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 Um. I think that's right. Yeah, because you get them um, when uh, some of them are on your cards. When you pull your muster points, you get the yep. strategy points. So every time you pull out your cards, there's some you may or may not get extra strategy points. Plus, you don't know how many you're going to get because sometimes it's like D three. Yep. So it's very random depending on if you can get to a garrisoned place, if there's a realm gate there, how many cards you're going to get, what's going to be on the cards. I mean, if you get a bu- pull a bunch of cards and they're lower. Uh, you're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where you're at with that. Now that all of those things, then you get spoils of war, give you bonus points. You can get uh, you can either get victory spoils, shared spoils. You can spend. Uh, you can get build points, and that's when you can uh, build garrisons or upgrade your domain cards and things like that. Um, and then every turn you wind up, you have to roll and move the realm gate and it just picks one of the locations. Mm-hmm. Um, what's cool is that you, it, 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 it depends on who, who's playing. So like, I think for I, it, the way I read it is any, every game you can kind of roll to see where it is for your game. Right. So it might, it might wind up on your in your spot. So it's not like it's here for the round mm-hmm. you roll to see where it winds up and if it winds up by you once you get going. So. That's kind of cool. Um, you can have secret objectives. You can trade things. You can give people reinforcement domain cards, but then they have to, you have to get them back, but you mm-hmm. can loan them out if you don't need them. Um, and then they've got a bunch of battle plans that are all these surprise attack battle plans. Yeah, these are ones designed for uneven battles where it's an attacker defender type situation, but it adds a little different dynamic to it than what we've seen in the previous uh, narrative supplements with like the Realm Gate Wars. This is like the attacker is trying to crush the other guy and that is their goal. Um, and then if, but it's not always like the large force is going to be the surpriser. It may be the other force. So you bid a certain level of victory points to be the attacker or to decide who's the attacker or defender. And if you win, you're giving your opponent those extra points. Yeah. So it kind of evens out. This is kind of cool because you can just play a regular game. They tell yep. you to play whatever you want. But if you want to try this, mm-hmm. it's really interesting because how much do you want to bid? I could bid low and not worry about whether I'm the attacker or defender because I don't want to give up the points. Uh, and if you bid really low too then I only gave away a few points to win but I could give away a ton of points yeah you know and then suddenly it's like well was that worth it yes I got to choose to be the attacker but I just gave you a third of my army's points as a head start yeah if it comes down to victory points yeah so the big thing is you determine the battle plan that you're going to be playing before you pick your before you do the attacker defender so you know in advance what you're playing it's just whether or not you're on the receiving end or the giving end. Well, and uh, almost all of these victory conditions are battle, are victory points. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No. It's in fact every one of them. If you're playing these surprise attacks because you're bid- bidding those victory points, yep, I see it. Yeah. Instead, the player with the most victory points at the end of the fifth round wins a major victory. 
Yes, this is actually about the points. And if you tie, the defender gets a minor victory because you you they you should have won. You had right. the overwhelming force. So it really is how much are you willing to hand your opponent to get to decide where you want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's it, these are cool, really cool ideas for for playing. Like I I look at those and I get kind of excited. Yeah, about what the things you can do. Now, each realm has a little bit of a time of war thing to it as well. Yeah, each little section on the map has a little extra special rule to use if you're fighting a battle in that square. Yep. Uh, now, And now some of them you'd actually have to sort of plan for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the realm with the chains. It's a Duarden chain fort here. Um, there's a command ability. Your general can use this command if they're within one inch of a terrain feature with the dreadhold keyword and no enemy models within an inch of it. Well, if you don't have any dreadhold terrain on the board, then that's just completely useless. And I suppose you could play without it and be like, no, we're not going to use it. But I think some of these um, go on the assumption that you have all these things. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to play there, you should set some of those things up. Right. Right. but there's cool stuff. Now there are the the now the three places that you need to get that you you can win the game automatically if you get the three places and are able to make the the the, the stick the scepter of fire the stick is the cavern of Fulminax, the eyes of the prismaticon and the infinity gears mm-hmm. and on these um you know this is the, the the things you get in this are not something in game it's at the end of the game. Yep. If you win this, you get an extra glory point and can add that card to your domain envelope. Um, and if someone else, you have to give that to them. This is where, once again, they gave me the idea of Clue. If you can collect these three cards, mm-hmm. you can create it. And if someone beats you, they're going to take the card from you. But basically, there are no special rules in here so much yep. as just, no, if you can win it, you get an extra an extra glory point, and you get the card, and you want to get all three of them. I'm not going to go through every single mm-hmm. one of these. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's um, like 26 or something, 27 of them. Yeah. Um, oh, but there's the one thing, uh, the Titan Works. Um, the Titan Works is one of the realms. If you get the three we said, you have to go to the Titan Works to forge the scepter. Mm-hmm. So uh, the player that controls this region and also controls the caverns, the Black Iron Peninsula, and uh, the... Yeah, you don't need the eyes. You don't need the eyes. You're yeah, right. So you need to get two, make this, go get the third, hold all three, and then you win. Yep, exactly. Okay, there you go. So yeah, you've got it. Um, and... Uh, after that, all we've got are the different allegiance abilities. The different allegiance abilities. There's a bunch of them. You want to take a quick break? Yeah, and then we'll come back, cover and them come real back quick. And cover them because these are the things that are are kind of cool. In, in these cities that we talked about, if you're part of that city, you get a bonus. Mm-hmm. All right? Cool. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. This is Chris Tomlin from the Black Sun, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. And we're back. Um, okay, so uh, that was I think that was just a musical interlude. I'm, a little bit. I'm assuming that I didn't put another commercial in there that I just... If I did, it was like the garage gear something short because mm. I didn't realize we'd only spoken for like 15 minutes. Like, we were just throwing out so much stuff. I was like, oh, let's take a quick break before we jump into this part. So Yeah, that's a fast section, but... Um, and realistically, I 
don't think we should really read this book verbatim. Yeah. How to play it. Because this is one of those that you want to immerse yourself in it. And this is not something that you're going to be playing on the tabletop on the regular basis. No, this you're setting up a full-on campaign, and my guess is people are going to house rule things. Like I said, we just said that whole thing where you just people just challenge each other mm-hmm. for for this. Well, I know, like I said, I know people are going to be like, well, wait, I want to challenge this person, and I'm never going to get to challenge them if somebody you, else is right. always challenging them. Like, so it's one of those things that if you're going to get into this, you should be reading it and really doing all the hard work. As it were yourself, we're giving you guys a brief overview of everything, but this is one of those really awesome type campaign supplements that we've not had Yep, since Mighty Empires, and it really lets you get engaged. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't built up the AOS community enough to have enough people to play a full-on campaign at our Friday night UGG stuff. Yep. But that's sort of my hope. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know Friday night's kind of a rough night, but like we don't do Friday night magic right there right now. So it's open. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I would love to get this going there. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the different uh, cities. This has been the, <laughs> this is the hot topic. This is the hot. It is exactly. That has come out of this. So, there's all these different cities. There's seven of them for order, which is crazy. And then everyone else gets one. Yep. One for destruction, one for death, one for chaos. Now, it it makes sense narrative-wise because these are all these cities that are controlled by, by, by order. Mm-hmm. And, you know, chaos has small footholds and they're trying to get in and do stuff. Um, but like I said, some people are left out altogether. I know I've already brought it up twice, and I don't want to beat a dead horse or even a live horse. I'm pretty. I like horses. That's a bad idea. Um, but you know, because Seraphon don't live in the realms; they live out in the stars, and they show up when the Slan summon them. Mm-hmm. They're literally not included in any of this. Yeah, and that's. I mean. That's kind of sucky for them. Like, I I could see someone who's playing Seraphon being like, hey, um, yeah, can we play without all these extra sweet rules? Because why should I be getting my face kicked in or get get no bonus, you know? Right. And even the Chaos one only hits maybe a third of the Chaos models. Yeah. Because it only covers, and we'll get into this one, it's Everchosen Slaves. Corn Zinch and monsters. So no Bray Herd, no War Herd, no Skaven, no Nurgle, no Nurgle, no Slanesh. So, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, uh, and now I mean it's cool. I mean they got a cool ability. Uh, I mean, and some of these abilities are better than others. I'm not going to sit around and judge what's <laughs> awesome and what's not. I just kind of want to tell you the things you can look for. And again, this is a narrative option. I think more than a competitive one. Right. I know they say you can use it competitively, but I always I kind of agree with you and I feel it 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 feels more like it would be more of a narrative right option, you know. Mm-hmm. You could and you could totally use it at a narrative event. I just I see why some people would be like, "Nah, we don't want to use it in mm-hmm. in there." Uh add two to the bravery of all units in the fist of the ever chosen army within 6 inches of a hero. Um 
from the army in the Battleshock phase. In addition, you can re-roll failed charge rolls for units if they're within six inches of the hero when they roll a charge. So you get plus if you're within six if the unit's within six inches of a hero, which is just a model mm-hmm. or a part of a model, right? Um, plus two bravery for Battleshock and rerolling charges, which narrative wise makes sense with uh, a, an Archaeon army, mm-hmm. and that so that's all that Chaos gets. That's yeah. their big bonus. So, um, you want to take the. Uh, the Wraith Fleet. <laughs> I, like I was really hoping this would be more like zombie pirates that we saw in Lustria, and you can't even take zombies. No, no, you this. can't. So this one is for Soul Blight, Death Mages, Death Rattle, and Night Haunts. Um, so essentially, you get to ambush a unit, so you can say it to one set a unit to one side, and on a one to two, it doesn't show up, but on a three or more, it comes in from within six inches of an edge of a battlefield and more than nine inches away from an enemy, and that's its move. So that's basically the ambush rules. That's how all the ambush seems to go, within six inches of the edge of the board, Yeah, more than nine inches from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And you have to roll for it, so if you have a unit that doesn't get on, it counts as slain right. at the end of the game. I mean, it's a three-up. Over five turns, it should show it up. It should show up. But, but it but. might, I mean, if you ambush a bunch, that first couple of turns, a couple of bad rolls could put you on a bad foot. Right. Um, and then the other ability they get is they subtract one from the bravery of enemy models within 12 inches in the battle shock phase of a Wraith Fleet unit that arrived via ambush. So on the turn they showed up, if they wind up within 12 inches of you, you're minus one to battle shock. Mm-hmm. They've got to be nine inches away, and if they don't make the charge, yeah, they don't get to move. Way. Yeah, so it's like, unless you're coming up early, really close to them, or getting the charge off and mm-hmm. being a part of it, it's, 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 kind, it's kind of weak. It is, but being able to ambush a unit of blood knights like that, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it could, I mean... Uh, the, you know the minus one bravery. It's not all that great. Being able you to know. ambush is the great thing. The minus one bravery is gravy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we have one uh, ability for destruction. Now this is for this is stone claws, gut stompers. This is for greenskins, ale guzzlers, bone splitters, git mob, iron jaws, moon clan, and spider fang. Mm-hmm. So, um. There, there's no ogres in this, is it? No, none of that's ogres. But in, like Stoneclaw is a character from the Path to Glory book, right? And we get his background there. He takes over a uh, Alfroston. Yeah, for I the mean, Beast so th- There are ogres in his thing. That's because that's why I saw it. It was Stoneclaw. I'm like, there's no, there are no ogres in this. Yes. So there are no wolves on Fenris. There are no ogres in this <laughs> formation. <laughs> All right, so in this ability, after setting up before the first battle round, you make two D66 rolls, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, you roll two D6. One is the tens, one is the ones, Mm -hmm. and then that's the number you get. Uh, To determine the the advice given to Stoneclaw by his pair of severed heads. Yep. That's right. Oh, that's right. He's got the two heads that he talks to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you You have to pick one. Because they're both giving him advice. They're on each, you know, the angel and the devil on his shoulder. 
Uh, the advice allows you to use a stratagem without having to spend any strategy points in order to do it, and it also allows you to use the stratagem in a non-campaign game where strategy points are not being used. So this is, again, once again, if you're using it in a tournament or something, you can use it. Um, and, yeah, it's basically it's it's the different stratagems that you can use. Uh, and if you roll really low, an 11 to 13, you get to pick. Mm-hmm. So... There you go. Um, yeah, I don't like the idea of a random ability. Yeah. But that's just me. You do have a little more control since you're making two D66 rolls, but yeah, it's still random. It's random. I mean, narrative-wise, I don't perfect. have a problem with it. But once again, if you're going to bring it into match play, I can already see people in the match play. We should be able to just pick pick what we want. Because yeah. you're not going to pick two and then discard one, then you're arguing with yourself, and that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just being able to pick is always getting you know. Just assume you rolled an eleven to thirteen. Yeah, um, that's okay, I guess. But whatever. So that's it for everybody who's not. Order. Order. All right. And now we're into order who have seven of them starting with the Great Hammer Hall. You want to take this one? Yeah. Now, this one, you can take anything from any order thing except Seraphon. Which I think shows up in... All of them. Seraphon is not in any one of these. Seraphon is not listed in any of these. Yep. Yep. So So for this one, their ability is you add one to the bravery of all models from this army in the Battleshock phase... If there are at least twice as many enemy models on the battlefield as Hammerhall models, add two to the bravery instead. And if there are at least three times as many enemy models, then units in Hammerhall automatically pass Battleshock. I love this one. Um, not because I plan on facing armies that have three times my numbers, um, and, you know, and depending on how big your army is, you may never face, especially if you're playing with pulling eight cards that you're never going to get three times. You know, well, I suppose if you're going by points, you could. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, okay. You're outnumbered. We don't give up. You're really outnumbered. We really don't give up. God, there are never ending swarms coming at you and we go nowhere. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the tougher the task the more they get, they dig their heels in. I like yeah. I like the rule, narrative wise. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got. The Anvil Guard. Uh, now this one you can play Stormcast, Free People, Dispossessed, Devoted, Darkling Covens, Privateers, and Order Serpentis. Mm-hmm. So this is that's the one out on the city or out in the port city. So it makes sense. Everyone we've talked about. Being there is there. Uh, Anvil Guard in the hero phase. Oh, no. Roll a die for each enemy unit within an inch of a unit from your army. On a five or more, they must make a six-inch move. They can't run. The enemy must. After the move's completed, any enemy models that aren't monsters that are within three inches of an Anvil Guard are killed. Yep. This is the one that everybody wants to take, and that is just brutal and stupid. It is. Especially for some of these armies, like the Darkling Covens and the Order Serpentis each have a battalion that lets you charge in your hero phase. 
So you get to pick the order of stuff that happens in your hero phase. So you send the charging unit in on the flank or the butt, and then suddenly your opponent can't move, and on a 5-plus you take their unit off. Yeah, exactly. Or you've got your Stormcast who can just drop in. Yeah, that happens in the movement phase, but uh, Lightning right. Chariot doesn't. Oh, that's right. Okay. So you can Lightning Chariot a big, you know, Liberators or f- uh, Pigeons behind, like the actual ether Wings yep. behind them, and then you can't get them out except for that weird three-inch bubble. So it's this is why there's going to be an issue when it comes to, like, match play. Um, and why they, I think this is why they changed the Allegiance abilities to have it be Grand Allegiance Grand Alliance Order or whatever. So, I don't know. This is the one that came out, and they even said it in their article. It's like, yeah, apparently people don't like getting their units destroyed on a 5+. plus. Yeah. Like, no. Exactly. And this is the this is the same beef they have with anything where it says, oh, if you take, like with uh, Corgus Cool's special weapon or, mm-hmm. or Archaon's special weapon, oh, if I do a wound to you on a 6-up, you're off the board no matter what. <laughs> yeah. You Everyone know, has a very gut reaction to that type of thing. It's and and it's it's understandable. Mm-hmm. It's an understandable reaction. Nobody likes just saying, "I'm going to roll a dice, and if I roll this dice, you're just gone." Right? You know what I'm saying? It's it's brutal. Um, do you want to? Uh, you got Tempest Tie, so we're back sure. up in the mountains. Yep. So this one is for Stormcast, Free People, Overlords, Swift Hawks, and Eldritch Council, and I think they added Dispossessed to this one. I think they did. Yeah, in the FAQ. Um, so for this one, it's alert and forewarned. You add two to the movement in the first battle round for all models from Tempest Eye. You add four instead if it can fly. And you add one to the save rolls for a Tempest Eye army in the first battle round. So if you go flying up and then they come in and you actually wind up in a battle, you get a bonus to your And you, you're just adding to your movement ability. Yeah, it's disgusting. If you combine this with like a hammer strike force, oh, yeah, because that first wow. time, you, yeah, because those pigeons are gonna fly sixteen plus d six, and then you drop the bomb, and they all come in on a three up save, effectively. Right, and they got the plus one to hit on that first. Plus one to wound. Or plus one to wound, right. From the Thunder Surge, and then, heaven forbid, you teleport a Lord Celestin up there. I'm not saying when I saw this, that's what I wrote, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's exactly what I wrote. Cheesy, cheesy combo. Oh, yeah, that would be just awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, so you're plus one, especially if you go first and get the charge right away. Because then in the first battle round, you're still plus one, and then staunch defender after you don't charge. So you're all on a two plus. Sounds good. Sounds really good. That's just too good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, on to Hallowheart. This one's yours. Uh, yeah. So for this one, it's Stormcast Eternals Fire Slayers for the first time, which, interesting. Uh, Free Peoples, Collegiate Arcane. Dispossessed, Eldritch Council, Order Draconis, and the Phoenix Temple. Have a few order things. Um, so <laughs> for this one, uh, the ability is Magical Resistance. Add one to the Unbinding Rolls for Wizards from a Hallow Heart army. In addition, once per enemy hero phase, 
You can attempt to unbind a spell if the caster is within 18 inches of a model from a Hellheart army that is not a wizard. However, you must subtract from or subtract one from all of the unbinding rolls. Yep. So it's interesting. It's very dispossessed-ish, very Dwarden. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the, the plus one to unbind unless you're not within range. And if you're not in range, then you don't get the plus one. You actually get the minus one. But you can almost always unbind. So I'm not really hearing you in the headset. At all? It just went over better now. Okay. Uh in, in my, just is this helping at all? Yeah, that's actually much better. Okay, you know, I might have gotten bumped. I might, I might have knocked it. No worries. Well, why don't we just do that one over again? Sure. That way, we're not even worrying about it. Okay. Right. So, uh, next one is Hollow Heart. Yep. Which is Stormcast, Fire Slayers, Free People, Collegiate Arcane, Dispossessed, Eldritch Council, Order Draconis, Phoenix Temple, and a Partridge in a Pear Tree. <laughs> <laughs> so for this one. You get to add one to the unbinding rolls for wizards from a Hallowheart army. And in addition, once per enemy hero phase, you can attempt to unbind a spell if the caster is within 18 inches of a model from a Hallowheart army that is not a wizard. However, you would subtract one from the unbinding roll instead of adding to it. Yeah. So this is kind of cool. It's yeah. kind of Dwardeny. Um, you know, plus one. To unbind if you're if you're following the regular rules, mm-hmm. um, just if they're within 18 inches of anyone in your army, you can still attempt to use one of your guys to unbind. Uh, but then you're at a minus one instead of a plus one. Sure. So, but you're unbinding. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things is keep my guy away from your your, your the, whatever you have that can unbind, and I can cast with impunity. And I was like, no, if you're within range of most of your spells to actually do it, mm-hmm. I get a chance to stop it. Right. So if if that's the kind of game you like to play, mm-hmm. um, and I always did. Yeah. You know, I loved the, you know, I didn't have any magic, but I'm not giving you any either. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of cool. Yeah. And it couples nicely with the Eldritch Council has a mage that gets plus one to dispel. Right. So you get plus two. Which makes them on par with like a lot of special characters. Yeah, no, that's sweet. Uh, then we drop into the Living City, um, and in the Living City, you've got Stormcast, Free People, Sylvaneth, Wanderers, and Dispossessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these, uh, their special ability is Hidden in Shadows. So instead of setting up a unit, you can place it to one side and hide it in the shadows. In the movement phase, you can reveal the unit. Set the unit up so all of its models are within three inches of a Sylvaneth Wildwood or edge of the battlefield and more than nine inches from enemy models. The unit has moved for the movement phase. If the unit is still hiding when the battle ends, it's destroyed. So you got to be within three inches completely of the edge of the battlefield instead of six, Mm -hmm. but you also can be within three inches of a Wildwood or I suppose inside the Wildwood is within three inches of it. Correct. Um, basically, uh, it's ambush with no roll. Mm-hmm. You just set them up and, uh, you get the, if you're playing Sylvaneth, you'll have the Wildwood out there, out there. So you don't have to stay on the, on the edge of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. This is kind of nice actually. Yeah, it is. If you play with, uh, Sylvaneth in your mixed order list, 
this is a really cool one to use. Yeah, and you can even just buy a Wildwood for 40 points. Oh, that's right. If you're going to do it. So you're not completely hosed. And you don't have to summon it. It's just if you buy a Wildwood as... As part you of your still thing. have to summon it though, because there's no rules for setting up terrain. Oh, that's right. So who would have to summon it though? Um, there, the Tree Lord Ancient has an ability to summon trees, okay. or Alarial has one too. So you do have, but you're so you're gonna have to have some Sylvaneth in your army in order to have this, or you just use the table edge. Okay, right. Okay, but I'm just saying if you want to have it not be, yeah, and that's as edge. far as I know. Because I I can't I actually can't see any reason to use to choose to use this, mm-hmm. um, unless you had the wildwood. Yeah, because you could use the other ones to go. Six yeah, because the only other train features you set up is the Balewind Vortex, which right. is a summon, or uh, the Realm Gate from the uh, Blood Claws. Oh, right. for Iron Jaws, but it says in their allegiance ability you set it up at the start of the game. Right. So. So okay. Uh, Greywater fastness, and these are the ones that we actually talked about in the in the realm. So we, we're getting into these: uh, Stormcast, Free People, Ironweld Arsenal, Collegiate Arcane, and Wanderers. Mm-hmm. So it's all the guys who might be in the realm of life or in this area uh, that aren't actually the Sylvaneth stuff, because those are the things that are outside that might kill you if you walk off the path. Uh, punishing bombardment in your hero phase. Roll a dice for each war machine in a great water fastness army. On a six, they can immediately shoot as if it was a shooting phase. If you got a, a war machine heavy army, that can be awesome. Yeah, I mean, even if it shows up once in a while, and just an extra, you know, cannon shot in the in that phase can be kind of cool. Uh, and if you're taking free peoples or I don't know, you could have a lot of those. What do you call them? The um, the Hellstorm rocket batteries and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's in the arsenal. Yeah. And then the arsenal has a battalion that lets you take all of the guns, and they get free shots as well. So you'd be shooting a lot yeah. if you did that. So Yeah, that's that's some that's some fun craziness right there. Mm-hmm. Not fun for your opponent, but... No. Um, and then the last one is the Phoenicium, yep. um, which is Stormcast, Free People, Dispossessed, and Phoenix Temple. And this one is... If a unit from a Phoenicium army is completely destroyed, you can re-roll hit rolls of one from all other units in the army for the rest of that combat phase. So if it's a unit destroyed in the combat phase, other units get to re-roll ones to hit in the combat phase. Nice. In addition, if more than one unit from an army is completely destroyed in a combat phase... You can add two to the bravery of all other units in the army for Battleshock purposes for the remainder of that turn. So this one gets better as your stuff dies. Um, The only problem is your stuff has to die for for it to be used. If you look at what's in there, especially the phoenixes, they don't die. (laughs) They all have a four up after the fact to ignore wounds. Yeah, but your free peoples. Yeah, your free people are your squishy. You're dispossessed. Your small units like that. Yeah, they're a little on the squishy side. But not that you want to bring things just to kill them so that you can get bonuses either. But Which seems if, silly. If but. they die, you know, you're fighting harder. Rerolling mm-hmm. those ones. It's it's not bad. Um, and plus, if your enemy's being clever, the, the stuff that, that it's ob- an obvious kill, they may not attack that. Right away. Right away. Mm-hmm. Um attack that last 
you know, but then of course attacking that last means okay, they're going to get a chance to at least fight. Yeah, you get to force the combat order a little more in your favor. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's that's all of those uh, different abilities, you know, for the different cities and different places in uh, in the realms. It's legit. Yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff. Like it's a very it's it, it's. I mean, I even said earlier, if you like Mighty Empires, is something like this, but it's very different mm-hmm. from Mighty Empires. It's very different. It's very it's 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 very much an AOS uh, version. There's a lot of great stuff in here. Yeah, and there's a lot of room for expansion that doesn't uh, take a lot away from anything. No, um, you can. I mean. All you need is a, you know, you just go to another realm. Get another mm-hmm. realm. You got a whole new set of, uh, of time of war rules for the different places. Um, come up with a new idea for the campaign, you know, because obviously you won't be going for Scepters of Flame in the new, in a, in the new realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if you just went by realm, you've got seven expansions just waiting. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, six if you're not going to go into Sigmar's realm, mm-hmm. you know. But even then, you know that I don't. I doubt. I don't think this is the entire realm of of actually that's in this or Gyron. Or yeah, Gy- there's yeah. tons more that we haven't even touched yet. All sorts of. Pl- anytime you come up with a good idea for your, you know, what a, a, a neat set of rules, you can drop a map mm-hmm. and 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 do this. Um, I like I like the random in it. Yes. I like the um, you're not knowing how many strategic points you're going to get. You don't know how many um, points you're going to get to build your army even. Yeah. Um, it's never exactly even. Um, before you draw those, you know, talking to your opponent, do you want to play? Do you want to play in the uh, in an unbalanced game? Do you want to play something that's going to be different than just a straight? And it literally says in there, you can pick. You can play any type of battle you want. You can play match play. You can play open play. You can play narrative play. As long as you and your opponent agree on what mm-hmm. you want to play, play it. Right. And, I mean, you know, your opponent is still trying to win an overall game, and you're trying to win an overall game. So you're not going to agree to something that's just going to be completely... One-sided. Yeah. I mean, Except for the those, you know, those battles that are set up in there to be One-sided. lopsided. Um, but in exchange, you're, you know, what are you giving up? You know, you bid low and maybe you lose it. You're the defender, but you're going to get his bonus. So it's, there's a whole other game within a game there that you're, that you're playing with that bidding war. Um, overall, this is a, a very cool expansion. Yes. I'm very pleased with what I see there. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the and all the parts are quality too. That's the other thing. The board is nice. Everything it comes with is is a is a nice. It looks good. Mm-hmm. It's not flimsy. It looks like it'll last. Um, and there's a lot you can do with it. Uh, and like I said, just that other option. That weird. Okay, we're going for thirty glory. But if you're not getting a lot of glory, you could just go and try to hammer out these three areas or four these four areas. And win the game that way. Just keep people, you know, just, you know, don't lose your battles. You know, mm-hmm. you may not be getting a lot of glory or maybe behind, but. It gives you a mechanic to come back and win mm-hmm. compared to 
some other things where it's not that way. Especially if someone, you know, if you've played a few rounds and you're at like 10 glory and someone else is up at, or getting up to 20, you know, because you're falling way behind. You know what? I'm changing my strategy. I'm going to take these realms. I'm going to take, I'm going to just, I'm going to take something hardcore within what, what I can do within the, within mm-hmm. the, within the scheme. And I am going to do my best to just take these, these few realms because I can't win. That way, just the the multiple options and how you can do that are uh, it's it's really well thought out. Mm-hmm. I'm really pleased with it. Um, so I guess that's it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's everything, folks. Uh, hope you enjoyed our firestorm review. Um, another cool story. Another bit of lore built in. It's just I, like I said. I'm just I'm I'm super pleased. I couldn't be happier. You know what though? Let's wrap this up. Let's uh, say our goodbyes and and do all the end wrap up stuff because um, I want to play some Shade Spider. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get that going. So um, okay. Uh, don't forget, folks. Check out After Olinor, uh, the other uh, my other show. <laughs> Uh, that's on the Freebooters Network. There's a lot of great shows there, and it's the only place you can hear the new episodes. Fallen Angels has been released to the last part of Fallen Angels. Um, I am currently taking Fast and Furious notes on A Thousand Suns, and so is Greg. So, you know, I don't know, six weeks or something like that. You know, probably, I think we put out a show like every two months on that. Was that the mm-hmm. plan? Uh, we'll have A Thousand Suns going. That book is so good. So you're going to want to listen. If you like 30K, if you like Horus Heresy, Give that a listen. Um, hey, we got the Carl Tuttle seal of approval on that one. They they actually talk about it on uh, Independent Characters, so that's cool. Uh, please remember to check out the Patreon page. Before we go, we definitely want to thank uh, Matthew Pigram one more time, as he is our newest, newest almost one percenter. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at some kind of geek thirty. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's TGA.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.